What's up, listeners? Welcome to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I made it. And this is a <laughs> podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deep discussion of the film. And then we're going to ask the most important question. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> oh my god, he did the thing! I did the thing. This week, we're going to be reviewing Stab 6. Just kidding, it's Scream 6. I'm making a bunch of Scream what? jokes. Wait, Guys, wait. aren't there like eight canonical Stab movies as well? I don't yeah, know, actually. Yeah, yeah. Did they say eight? In the fifth one, they did. Because Stab A was so bad, that's why fifth happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. Wait, guys, hold up. How do we pronounce Screen 6, though? Screen is. Oh, sorry, screen sorry. I I'm forgot actually, the joke. I, is it I have B adopted, or E? I have, I have adopted Six Cream, actually, matter six of fact. Cream. <laughs> that, that is objectively not what it is, but I've decided that that's... Because I, I I used to call it Scream Five Five Cream, and then I realized that even that isn't accurate. That's not how they style it, and it's actually mm. not even called Scream Five. It's just called Scream. It's just called Scream. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's still Six Cream for me. Six. I I forgot. I do call it Scream and that is what we're reviewing this week. But guys, we have a comment. We have a comment on our last week Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania podcast on spotify podcast does comments now they do comments now they do comments now and we have a comment guys it is from a user named sunny law okay and uh sure yeah i don't i don't know about that but sure um and the comment says guys this is really exciting it says really good so i'm just i don't i don't want to like I don't know, jump the gun on this, but guys, wait. I think we're starting to make it big here. Yeah. Wait, wait, guys, guys. I do have news. Are they saying the movie is good or the podcast is good? No, no. Oh, sorry, I, sorry. Let me I, clarify. The The question does say, what did you think about this episode? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, okay. That was the I generic do, Spotify I also question. Have, I have insider insight into the comment as I was actually the one who wrote it. Uh, Yo, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I totally don't know that. Reaction. Yo, what? Aiden, Aiden, can I talk to you? Yeah, can I, can I talk to you outside? Go for it. Yeah, for sure. That's the sound of me walking outside. Yeah, Aiden. Aiden, why, why, why didn't you tell me this before? I did. Why didn't you tell me this I before did. we started? We talked about this before we started the podcast. Do you remember? We had like scripted okay. it a little bit. Do you remember that? It was like five okay. minutes ago. Okay, Aiden, can I talk to you outside? Outside. Okay. Aiden, we weren't supposed to mention that this was a bit. Oh shit. We were gonna, we were gonna, we were gonna play it real. We we're gonna pretend like I didn't know this already. Well, uh, well, the cat's out of the bag, but yeah, no, Peter, that was the, <laughs> Peter, that was the fakest reaction. That was so funny. <laughs> Peter was like, yo, what? <laughs> and we also got a bit of ASMR in there for one of our listeners who's been having trouble sleeping. Shout out yeah. to that person. I won't name drop you. You're welcome. I will dox you, however. He lives at... Um... <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Oh, you don't? It's, uh, it's on Twitter. Um, anyways, guys, last week the Oscars happened. 
Sure did. The Oscars, they happened. Um, and we have some thoughts. Sure um, I think everybody's biggest thing. Let's 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 talk about it. Jamie Lee Curtis won yeah. Best Supporting Actress. What the fuck? Yeah, literally, literally everyone else in that category should have gotten it instead of her. Um, yeah, I like was I, like, honestly, I was like, like this is was, great. This is great content where we're yeah, talking yeah. over each other. This is Zoom. If, if it Zoom. was, if it was. Angela Bassett, Stephanie Shu, or Carrie Condon, like, I would have gone with any of those. Um, but Jamie Lee Curtis, man. Yeah. Yo, Even... and there's, a, there's actually a clip on Twitter where Angela Bassett seemed visibly upset when she, yeah. when, uh, when she lost. Because so. she, she knew bullshit when she smelled it. Because, like, man, exactly what you're saying, Aiden. Angela ba- like, people were saying Jamie Lee Curtis was getting a career Oscar. Well, what about... Angela Bassett's career Oscar. She's not won an Oscar yet. And sure, her career Bassett. has been... Her what? I'm pretty sure it's Bassett. Bassett? Well, I don't know. Um, Angela Bassett has not gotten her career Oscar either. And her performance this year was considerably better. Yeah. It's, also, it's... Like, look, like to be fair to Jamie Lee Curtis, I think she's fine in everything everywhere. But like her character straight up, like there isn't enough there to even consider no. it. Like, it's just not a role that you should be considering this category for. Like, in my memory, she's not even in the movie that much. It's crazy that, like, that Stephanie Hsu, who is one of the main characters, <laughs> wouldn't get recognized for it for the same movie. It's Dude, the- I think uh, I think the sausage finger hack. Everyone with a uh, with sausage finger oh. in that movie won an Oscar. <laughs> oh, man, man that might, you might be right. <laughs> Daniel, or, um, what's his name? Waymond did not have sausage fingers, and he won an Oscar, so points well, disproved. Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee both I had sausage I know what you're fingers. saying, and I'm saying no. Anyways, so that was a big disappointment for most people, but conversely, just prior to that, Ki Hee Kwan won the Oscar, and I was like shouting and like cheering at my TV alone. Like, oh, you- <laughs> I was so excited. You yeah. were watching it at the time. You weren't at the yeah. theater yet. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. I was, I, I was watching most of it live. I think a lot of the emotional weight of that movie really does rest on him. Like, I think, like, like he, he needs to do what he did there for a lot of that movie to work. And, and yeah, oh, my God, guys, what a great speech he gave. Like, it's just, like, I'm just so happy that he is happy, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, like, like people are talking about Brandon Fraser making a huge comeback, but, like, Kiwi Kwan is making oh, a huge yeah. comeback as well. Because yeah. uh, after his role, when he was like a much younger, like more of a kid actor, he sort of transitioned to more being in the background. He was stunt coordinator, assistant director. But this is like the first major role he's gotten in over, I think, 20 or 30 years, which is yeah. absolutely insane. But yeah, his yeah. his speech was very like, it was very powerful. And I was near tears. And I know a lot of people were like crying watching that because yeah, it's it was a great moment for for Kihi Kwan for sure, uh, and a deserved Oscar win I think. Absolutely. Um, rounding out the Everything Everywhere Oscar wins was also Michelle Yao won her first Oscar. I think that was well deserved. Yeah, um, sure. It was really between her and Kate Blanchett, and yeah. honestly, she did not need a third Oscar despite yeah. giving a fantastic performance. Yeah. Yeah, Kate Blanchett is incredible in it, but like, yeah, I mean, so is Michelle Yao. Like, yeah. And also, uh, Brendan Fraser won an Oscar for The Whale. 
good for him, I think. Yeah. You know, good performance in a really shitty movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was kind of like engineered around him getting an Oscar. So, I mean, it, it did its purpose, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have the, I have the same take more or less. Like I, I legitimately do think that he's probably the best part of that movie. So like, I think that oh, like, sure. like he elevates like where, what there isn't much and he gives it so there's something there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, there was uh two movies that came out on top, uh, this Oscar, Yes. Uh, year and one of them was more or less deserved and one of them maybe not so much so let's maybe let's talk about the um the one that was maybe not so much yeah. so there's a there's a movie that is a remake of a 1930s classic also uh, which is 79 or something yes that is also true and they're all adapted from a book called all quiet on the western front now this is a german book and this is the first time the movie has been adapted by in by the German, German language. Yeah, and the ni- 1931 was British, 1970s one was American, I think. Uh, that sounds right. I don't I don't really know for sure, but um now All Quiet on the Western Front was released by Netflix and it won four Academy Awards. It won Best Cinematography, Best International Feature, Best Score, and yeah. Best Production Design. Now I've, I think I've expressed on this podcast my hatred for this movie. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I haven't read the book, so I, I can't say if I have a problem with it, but I didn't care for the 30s movie either. I found it kind of boring, but this was just like offensively bad. I found it to be so completely, um, I'm lacking the word, but like, like he's trying to think of a synonym for bad, and he's failing. <laughs> like, no, like it just bad, and it, it, I also think that it's just like kind of shitty. I would say, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no, it just it completely misses the point. Yeah, of the idea that all quiet on the Western Front is more like the mundaneness of it all, and how like people just kind of die, and it turns this book about like the mundaneness and how the foot soldiers are living completely different lives from the generals who are making the decisions about their lives. And this movie is like, let's make that into like an action war epic where the generals are actively trying to help out the soldiers. And it feels like, like they didn't even read the book, you know? Um, Or like if they did read it, they didn't get it. And then they tried to do all these things. Um, but Aiden, I am interested to hear what you thought about it because you just watched it last night. I literally did watch it last night. Yeah, so I probably didn't hate it as much as you. I am coming from a place of, I personally love the 1931. I think that's an example of, you, you always hear people talk about movies from that long ago and they're like, it still holds up. And then you watch it and it's like, no, it most certainly does not hold up. I think this is an example of a movie that actually holds up very well. Like there are some things that are obviously of the time, but I think it generally works really well. This recent one, I agree with you. I think it can't decide if it's this like gritty grounded take of war that's showing like the reality or if it's this hyper sensationalized depiction of war. Like uh, there are multiple times where there are like very choreographed like fight scenes in this and like there are struggles where like a character goes like (sighs) and then like starts hacking someone and like stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I, I think every death feels like it's this like epic dramatic moment and i think that really misses the point 
and it really it lacks the nuance that I think the 1931 has. What what I love about the 1931s are the really like tender and quiet moments. I love how you yeah. it pays such close attention to sound design that like it's very selective with how how it when it gives you like the bomb noises and gunfire and when it's very quiet and it gets to the point where like by the end of it like the gunfire is there but it's kind of worn you down so you don't even really notice it like and it's just it's just there constantly also like like yeah just the moments of tenderness and the moments of like the idea that no one really wants to be fighting this war like in the newest one there's the scene where the French come and just start burning everyone alive. And they show that in like very yeah. graphic detail. And it's like yeah. an extended sequence. And it's like, really? Like, I don't think you can call yourself a real anti-war movie when you're making it this like romantic. And I know that's a weird word to use, but just that it's like full of passion and tears and cry. Like I, like one of my favorite moments from, sorry, I know it's a long rant, but one of my favorite moments from the 1931 is literally it's when the main character goes to the French village in, near the beginning. And in this one, he doesn't go. He doesn't even go. But in the 1931, he goes to the village and he like spends a night with a woman. I don't remember if they like sleep together or not, whatever. But there's a long scene where they're just talking and all that is shown on the screen is just like the shadow that a plant is casting on a wall. And it's just a very quiet scene of them talking and not really understanding each other because they don't really speak the same language. And it's like stuff like that, that made that movie so good for me and just completely lacking from this new one. Yeah. It's, I would say that everything you've said kind of adds to my next point, which is it's just so the new one is just so overproduced um, where in the original scenes would play out. Like you just described, not even showing the action, just showing kind of like a shadow which is a really interesting idea. This movie shows everything in its full detail to like the 11th power. Um, and I think, honestly, that's probably why it won so many awards. It's because it's not the best at like cinematography or best production design. It's the most. Yeah. They just There's just so much of everything. There's so much sound. There's so much like crazy camera movement that is feels completely disingenuous and unnecessary. Yeah. The colors are super saturated for some reason. Um, and like the make, even the makeup, like there's a scene where he gets his face covered in mud. That's also in the original version. Yeah. And this version is like, so obviously like makeup yes, and it's I like green. That, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? When he's in what the are you doing? The French guy? And yeah. it's like and it's like dry despite the fact that he just had his face in the mud, like the wet <laughs> yeah. mud. Like Yeah. Anyways. No, like, and this... the other thing I felt of this movie is that like I feel like it's trying to be like in some parts it's trying to be like saving Private Ryan and in other parts it's trying to be like nineteen seventeen. It's trying to be nineteen seventeen. I don't love either of those movies, but they both do it better. Like Absolutely. Like and yeah, but anyway, like best score that is fucking crazy it's three notes it's so bad <laughs> come on like really and babylon was right there yeah babylon's score is so good say what you will about the movie justin Hurwitz knows what he's doing yeah. he doesn't use three hans zimmer knockoff notes yeah. like <laughs> oh my god um but yeah so those were completely ridiculous uh i also think cinematography should have gone to tar absolutely and if you even if if you're not going to give tar because like 
oh no, there's a woman doing bad things. Can't support that. Clearly is what the Academy's stance on that movie is. Like Bardo, even I think would it be more I, deserving. I, I 100% agree. Um, I think Bardo looks way better. I, I saw people saying this movie is like beautifully shot and it's like, no, it's not. It's nice, but like it's so strictly adhering to like this idea of like naturalism and cinematography. Like, you know what I mean? Like every single... There are scenes where like a lamp goes out and now it's just like kind of like very, very dark. Because if you go mm. like the naturalism approach of cinematography, you can't if if it's nighttime, you can't have light realistically. Like yeah. you can like try to fake moonlight a little bit and have like the little bit of blue. And that's what this movie does, but it's just like Yeah, okay. Like I just I don't know. I, I was really not blown away by the cinematography in this. Again, I feel like I've seen everything it's doing in other movies that do it better. Yeah. So that was really annoying. When I was watching it live, I was like, like every time it got called up, I was getting really exasperated, <laughs> exasperated because I was like, this is a shit movie. I don't know what you're talking about. But I mean, the Academy loves war movies. Yeah. The other movie that did very well at the Oscars was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, it won Best Picture. It won Best Direction. It won Best Editing. Uh, best Original Screenplay, as well as all of the acting awards i've already mentioned so mm. let's talk a little bit about that um are all of these awards deserved uh what do you guys think oh uh, let's start with peter because we yeah, haven't heard peter, yeah peter what you have i don't have much to say about this to be honest like uh let me quickly check what the nominees are for best picture we can rattle I, off I, some I, of them i know i know elvis is in there aiden if you want to talk about that avatar 2 <laughs> is there top gun maverick is there uh, Triangle Tar of Sadness. Tars. Yes, Tar. Yep. Uh, Women yeah, talking. I think, I, I think out of all of them, um, everything everywhere has just like, like I I think all of them are like great in their own regards, but like everything everywhere sort of has everything. It has the comedy of like Banshees and uh, Triangle. It has the sort of, sort of like the grand epicness, you know, the the multiverse, etc from like things like Avatar or Top Gun, but then it also has a really tight-knit story, uh, like, you know, Tar or some of the more, you know, dramatic uh, drama films. Mm -hmm. So I think like, yeah, like at least for Best Picture, very, very well deserved. And I love the movie. So yeah. I'm all for it. No, I, I love the movie too. And like, yeah. while it, it's not my personal favorite movie of the year, like I'd go with Tar and then I want After Sun to be nominated. Like I would have given it to After yeah, Sun before as well. But like, no, like I'm really glad that a very fun, very well made a movie clearly with people that are very passionate about what they're doing with a specific vision behind it and a very like mm. sincere movie. I'm very glad that that won. Like, cause that's that's not super common that a movie like that wins. And yeah, so I, I think it's a win. I'm not mad at that at all. Yeah, I mean, I predicted back in back in November when we were doing the Fablemans <laughs> yeah. podcast. Just gonna brag yeah. a little bit. When when Ryan was on, he said that he thought Fablemans was a shoe in yeah. to win, and I would just like to remind everyone that I swore that everything, everywhere, all at once was going to so win. Did I. Um, and I, I still think it's deserved. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Team Aiden as well, or well, Team Tar with Aiden. Uh, that Tar, in a perfect world where they were actively like choosing the best film that was nominated, it would go to Tar. Best film from last year would have gone to After Sun. But hey, it's the Academy. They're not perfect. And I mean, for on that note, this is like the least Academy movie yeah. ever. And I'm shocked. 
pleasantly shocked that it actually did go all the way and did so well with all the awards. And I think it's proof that Hollywood maybe is changing a little bit. Yeah. And that, uh, and I think that's a great thing because those Oscar, the movies that were winning best picture were usually not the best movie. Mm -hmm. And I think also like we're pretty, um, Oh, what's the word? Like, uh, sentimental a lot of the time or, you know, it they felt like give, an Oscar movie. They would know? give it to like All Quiet on the Western Front is an Oscar movie. Like that's I would yeah, or Banshees or The Fablemans. Yeah. Like there the were some yeah, Fablemans. Not to say that they would be bad necessarily, right. but you know. So I'm glad that we're getting something different for once, and I do think it was a very well crafted movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, this really reminds me of I don't know why, but it reminds me of the Parasite Sweep in uh, twenty. Is it twenty twenty one or twenty twenty? I forgot. But uh. 2019 like, was the year of Parasite. Yeah. I don't, it would have been the 2020 Oscars, but. Yeah. So, like, you know, like Parasite, I was hesitant that year to, like, say Parasite's going to for sure win everything. But then, like, everyone know like, Parasite's good. Yeah. But, like, I think a similar situation is happening here where it's like everyone knew everything everywhere is, like, good, but they don't know if it's, like, Oscar. Uh, I don't want to say Oscar level, but, like, uh, good in a way that appeals to the Oscar, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so, again, pleasantly surprised. I'm very happy it won. So, I would yeah. say that Parasite is still probably the best Oscar movie that has won, like, maybe ever. I would have to check the list, but probably the one of the best best Yo, pictures. Ever is, like, a strong term, man. It's, it's <laughs> Dude, one of the best, best picture movies. It's definitely, in my memory, that of Oscars I've seen, it's probably the best best picture. Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah, like Parasite, don't get me wrong, but it's like saying ever is a uh, very strong, you know what I mean? Dude, trust, like it's it's uh, not a it's not a difficult list to get to the top yeah? of. Okay. You're not, okay. Yeah. Um I'm gonna try and pull that up, but I did want to ask while I'm doing that. Okay, here we go. Uh here's some this is ranked by tomato meter, so obviously not at all a good metric, yeah. but it was the first list that came up. They have Parasite as number one. Okay. Just putting that out there. But some of the other ones they have at the top are Casablanca, uh, All About Eve, On the Waterfront, Moonlight, Schindler's List, Moonlight, It Happened One Night, Rebecca. Some of these you're like, what? These Yo, are I haven't seen most of these, movies. to be honest. Yeah, Dude, I, I'm, quite not on... I'm not a big Casablanca guy, to be honest. I watched it. It was There were some good moments, I think. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, 1930. Sunrise, never heard of that. Spotlight from 2015. That's interesting. Oh. The Hurt Locker. <laughs> sure. Uh, the Godfather. Uh, Annie Hall. Anyways, I could keep going. Argo. Uh, but yeah, Argo I, I pretty well stand by that Parasite's probably one of the best. Mm. Um, one other thing I want to talk about from the Oscars is that in this Everything Everywhere sweep, um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinhardt, the Daniels, won Best Director. Mm. What do you boys think about that? um that's, i think it's cool fine. it's cool yeah. that like young like relatively like young directors are winning like i think that's sick like like damien chazelle won best directing at some point too didn't he um, um and that's another like example of a young director winning that's nice to see like realistically and i also again it's like a i think it's a very well directed movie so i'm not mad at that at all per, like i don't think it's the best directing of the nominees to be honest with you but like i, I yeah I, i'm not mad at that at all i'm, I'm happy to see it I've, I've seen a lot of people like hating on them on Twitter and it's just like, I get they're like millennials or whatever, but like, I don't know, chill out, man. Like, 
Uh, I did just look it up. So Damien Chazelle did in fact win uh, best well, director. Well, we're black or La La Land? Um, you're asking me too many questions. I think it's La La Land. <laughs> okay. Um, and he he was the youngest person to win the award at age 32. Yeah. Um, Peter, did you have something to say about the the thing? No, I don't think like age should yeah. even be a consideration. You know, if it's good, it's good. It has nothing to do with age. What's the <laughs> only thing I hard, so it yeah takes a long time to get good at, like really good. At. Only thing that I would say is that I do think the direction was like pretty good, and I mean to get, hey, to get three of your performances winning Academy yeah. Awards right? and four nominated, exactly. Like, that's saying something about the directing. So like, I'll I'll give him that. I do think I'm not one of the the. Uh, Spielberg purists who thinks that like Spielberg should have won the Oscar because he's he's the best director. But I do think Todd Field was in good contention to win oh, absolutely. that I mean, Oscar, if like, nothing. I probably but. still would have given it to Spielberg, honestly. But um, yeah, that's something I want to know. Actually, has Spielberg won before best? I, he's definitely hundred percent. Yeah. You would think, right? But I mean, I I just I want to be sure. Um, Okay, he won the Academy Award for Best Director for the latter, which would have been Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. So he's won it twice. Yeah. Um, not surprising. Anyways, those were the Oscars. Pretty good. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think it's as bad as it has been in previous years. And Elvis shutout. Let's go. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. You wanted to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, I don't really have anything to say other than just very happy Elvis didn't win anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't like that movie. Let's go. Woo. Um, guys, I have big news. Tom Cruise saw The Flash. That's great. <gasps> Dude, I oh love God. the headline because he called Davis Osloff, right? He called yes. the Discovery... CEO. Yeah. Well, is it Warner Discovery now? Like, how... I think it was Discovery Warner because it didn't uh, Discovery want to put their name first or something. Right, right, right. I don't know. But he saw The Flash because, yes, he did ask David Osloff. And he said to Andy Muschietti, I think is his name, yeah. uh, the director of The Flash, he said to him, this is the kind of movie we need now. <laughs> Dude, there's no way. Like, I keep like, hearing things about this movie where it's like, this is one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. Like, like so many things are coming out of it. There's no way. <laughs> Yo, I genuinely, genuinely though, I have faith for this movie. Like, the I, trailers that I've seen are very good. I think it'll be good. You know, I'm just... I'm starting to think it's really just like a huge PR stunt. Yeah. Because <laughs> they know they're, it's an uphill battle with the Ezra Miller shit that they've spent all of their marketing budget for like two years. Because remember, they ran out of money at the end of the year and yeah. then just didn't promote Shazam That's 2 so at funny. all. Yeah, they, they did not. Yeah. All of their marketing budget for this one movie. They're paying off Tom Cruise to say good things about The Flash. And like post Top Gun, like I think that's genius because what he said about The Flash is what people were saying about Top Gun. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I think this is all made up. I, I'm i not sure that it won't be good, but yeah. like I, I saw the trailer, same as everybody else, and I don't think that was very good. I think it's, I'm... Yo, it's I, think, I think that's a mega cap. That is I, it as an Omega level cap. I don't think the Flash trailer looks good. I think I think it brings together some of the best of the DC universe. So I have faith. It's it's this. I think the problem is there's all this nostalgia bait in that movie that it, I'm immune to. I haven't seen the Michael Keaton. Yeah, but, Batman but movie, I think so. 
I think me. it's just something cool to have like an old actor coming back to his role and then kicking ass. They've been and doing that in the a lot in the past five years, and I'm probably not even in, before not that, in but DC, legacy though. sequels. I don't give a shit about yeah. <laughs> if it's in DC or not. I'm talking about legacy like, sequels in general. Like I think it's really cool. Yeah, uh, again, I haven't, I haven't even seen Man of Steel. Well, actually, just so. wait, <laughs> we're gonna get into legacy sequels. Yeah. Um, but I thought like bringing back Zod is cool. You know, having like a Supergirl subplot, and then give like I have, I still have no idea who the villain of this movie is. Like the, the trailers have shown me enough to get me excited, but haven't shown me too much. To sort of give away a lot of the plot. I think which the I thought villain cool. is the soul of man. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Actually, that's that's Shazam three. I wouldn't be surprised if Shazam three was like the soul of man. God, I, I, I don't think Shazam three is gonna happen. Like Shazam, like definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> After everything that's been happening in that movie, like After it's had a. T- all at once, yeah. Yeah, it's had a terrible opening weekend yeah. because a, a no marketing, b it doesn't look very enticing. Let's be Dude, real. It's, I just love how okay. they keep they keep putting out trailers and one is like the and they keep getting longer. And then there was like one trailer I saw when I was watching a movie. I think it was it might be Creed. I was like, okay, this is a decent trailer. They were using uh, I think Drake's song starting from the bottom. Now we're here, yeah. and then. Drake, like, literally the same lyric appeared four times during that trailer. I was like, please, just cut it. Like, if you cut it at the two-minute mark, it will be a good trailer. But then they keep oh, showing you more stuff. Yeah. It's like, guys, please. I, my, favorite, those, yeah. my favorite moment from the trailer is the millennial moment when he's like, um, I just threw a truck, threw at, a truck at a dragon. Uh, I, I love I'm my life. life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that oh, thing, like... Apparently that was filmed for the trailer and it was never going to be a movie, which is like insane. Why would you make such a shitty line for the trailer? Oh, God. Dude, it's like... uh, Sorry, I just have one more comment. Remember uh, when Game of Thrones Season 8 was coming out and then the actors were getting interviewed about what they think of Season 8? And oh, I just yeah. remember <laughs> Amelia Clark having just like, so what do you think about Season 8? She's just like laugh. She's just like, yeah. like give a very awkward laugh. She's and just like, yep. And yep. and uh, so one of the actress in this Rachel movie Blake is uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. her Twitter <laughs> reactions are the best. Oh my god! Like 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 when uh, when a Shazam update account retweeted a clip of uh, her character and uh, Freddie talking, or or I think it was actually the other kid, the 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 younger kid who who uh, who has leg problems, and then sure. and then and she retweeted that saying she talks now. <laughs> it's like the first time you see her character and she's talking and it's from a retweet of a news account like come on guys <laughs> i have i gotta be honest i have no idea what you're talking about but the clip that i yeah the clip that i saw of rachel zegler was her getting interviewed on the red carpet yeah. and they asked why did you do shazam 2 and she said i needed a job <laughs> that's the most relatable shit like yeah that's why they do these superhero movies a lot of these people um anyways we got into a bit of a shazam tangent there yeah Uh, we have one more bit of news before we head into the trailer park guys chris pratt could do the voice the whole time yeah there's a there's a it must have been some talk show where he does a a mario impression and it's completely accurate and it sounds good ish i I didn't like really analyze it it was just like oh that's it you did it you could do this the whole time 
No, I just feel like they didn't want to do the accent thing because no one was doing the accent. I guess no character needed to do the accent, but... I honestly think no one would be like, Mario's the only one with an Italian accent here. Like, no one would care. (laughs) I, yeah, I... I think they oh, would have well. thought it would be like annoying, and it's yeah. like, guys, I played the whole game like that. Like, it's not annoying. I think just, yeah. just leave it as is. If it ain't broke, right? Yeah. Anyways, if it ain't broke, put Chris Pratt in it. Apparently, guys, there's some trailers from this week. Vroom, uh, vroom. Yeah. Thanks. Into so let's start off. Let's start off with the one they showed at the Academy Awards, The Little Mermaid. Sure did. Um, it looks. It doesn't look good. Looks bad. Um, it, like the Jungle Book. I I'm calling back to. Oh man, that was seven years ago now. Yeah. The Jungle Book. Like, at least then there was something. There was something yeah. there. I think, and the animals did not look super weird. Yeah. But like, fish. They just look like regular fish. <laughs> or like Sebastian is just like a crab and. It, this hyper realism shit needs to stop. Yeah, I agree. We need to stop yeah. going for this because it doesn't look good. I also like. I don't understand what's happening. Like these are like adept people working on this movie. Oh no, I'm thinking of the Tinkerbell one. Sorry, I was. Th- I yeah. But what like you can bring about, that into the conversation. It's yeah. the same look where it's like this looks bad. It looks muddy. It's like again, it's like this devotion to naturalistic lighting. Where it's like, then what happens when you have a night scene and there's no light, and it just you can't fucking see anything, and there's no contrast, right? And it's just like this. I see the same thing in Little Mermaid, where it's like, well, there wouldn't be light under the water, so we can't do anything. It's just gonna look muddy and bad. And it's like, I that's such a stupid approach to this movie. (laughs) Exactly. Yo, I agree. Like, I think like the whole one of the appeal of these cartoons is just like they transport you into this fantastic, fantastical world. But now they're recreating it in in the sense that we want to make it live action. We want to make them real, and that doesn't work. Yeah, it's just like like literally I, at the opening scene, I thought it was the Pirates of the Caribbean. You know? <laughs> oh, should we watch those? Those are good movies. Really fun. It's just we're getting into an endless cycle of regurgitating IP, and it's yeah. it's very depressing. Um, but there are some things that were not that that we saw this week trailers for. That is, um, yeah. that was a terrible sentence. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice I segue, Alex. Let's, You're getting better. <laughs> let's go to. Uh, I think the one only one of these things that is a movie. Uh, there's a little movie coming out. I've never heard of this. It's called Joyride. Never heard of um, it either. Yeah. I'm gonna try and look up some information in it about it. Uh, yeah. But it stars. Among others, Stephanie Hsu from Everything Everywhere, yep. Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, and Sabrina Wu. One and of them is it's from like Emily in Paris, but I don't know what her name is. Oh, I didn't watch that. I've seen um, a lot of that show. So Joyride is an American comedy film, and it's like one of one of the characters was trying to find her birth parents, and they're like American, uh, American-born Chinese people. And they're going to China for, I think, the first time. I think they said it was, like, their first time. And just kind of, like, is the word diaspora of, like, like going to, like, diaspora. where you're from? But Diaspora is the community outside of, like, the main, like, like, the Chinese diaspora in America is, like, the Chinese community in America. Okay. So, like that. Yeah. yeah. 
and it looks really fun. It's like a, a an R-rated comedy. It looks great. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I this is very funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think great. okay, great. I love your like two word response. <laughs> like I, I honestly, I don't have much to say about this. I, I just thought it was funny. I'll probably watch it when it comes out. You know. Yeah, it looks um, looks chaotic, right? Yeah, chaotic. Not directed by Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I was gonna bring that up. We got some word association going on here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stephanie Shu looks great. I think she's gonna be the draw for me because she's the only actor that I know in that. But. Um, Ashley there's Park some funny stuff in that trailer Emily in Paris and I know her so yeah cool yeah I didn't watch Emily in Paris and I'm glad I haven't it's not uh, we also got yeah we also got some trailers for some other things um, there's a show called Swarm uh, yeah. created by Donald Glover and another person and I don't want to leave him out um, it's funny because this is I'm getting like really kind of like there's like a connection between this and the idol the the oh. weekend show because yeah. mm-hmm. it's like singers making shows yeah, and yeah. like but don glover like, like don like, glover's more donald glover's been in a tv guy yeah, for yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. um so okay so it's him, donald glover and janine neighbors right. um also i just want to say that one of the episodes i'm gonna i'm gonna get the for sure oh it doesn't say i thought Oh, no, it's right. Okay. So the fifth episode of, of, this is not really important. The fifth episode of Swarm is written by Malia Obama. Oh, really? Yes. One of Obama's kids wrote oh one of the God, episodes of Swarm. That's kind of cool, actually. So anyways, that looks really funny. Um, it's going on Prime and it's, um, it's about like being obsessed with a, um, a pop star. And I think the pop star is played by Billie Eilish. Uh, what did you guys think of this trailer? I think it's really cool. I think it, it looks like a Donald Glover thing. Like, actually, I looked it up to see if there was, like, a same cinematographer as uh, Atlanta. Because I don't know if you've seen Atlanta, but, like, a lot yeah, of the style kind of looks seen. Atlanta-like, um, which is good. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta looks great. Um, yeah, it looks really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think uh, I think Donald Glover kind of, like, plays, has been playing, like, with these ideas of, like, internet and obsession for a long time. Like, yeah. Even like even back to like 2013 or whatever when like because the internet came out um yeah so i i think like this is clearly something he's very interested in so i'm excited about it oh shit it released yesterday because oh. I, <laughs> I was i was seeing it all on twitter and i was like is this out now it <laughs> seemed like it was kind of like unclear if it was out or because it was releasing clips and trailers despite apparently releasing on friday so i and it's all out it it did a bulk release so that's interesting and i will have to start watching that um there was also a trailer for a show called beef um stars oh that's a show too i think so um it stars ali wong and uh steven yuen um yes it's a series it's i is it their first a24's first tv series it might be yeah i don't think they've Um, done one before but it is it is in fact created by a24 and it's it's about like road rage. So, did you guys watch this uh, this trailer? I sure did. Yeah, um, I love love Stevie <laughs> yeah. guy. Love Steve guy. I've liked him liked him a lot in everything he's done. Uh, going as far back to The Walking Dead. Um, I love Minari. So, like, uh, yeah, I'm really, I I'm kind of on board whenever I see him in anything. Uh, but yeah, it looks it looks good. It looks fun. It looks fun indeed. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's release oh it's netflix so netflix, that's a netflix yeah. show right i thought so 
Um, but also a little tidbit that I heard. Apparently, Stephen Yuen decided to join Thunderbolts because the director of Thunderbolts, the Marvel project, that is, yeah. um, his name is uh, Jake Schreier, directed several of the episodes of uh, Beef. And so that's why he joined that project. Oh, oh wow. Um, Je- uh, I already forget his name. Jake Schreier also did Paper Towns in 2015, oh, that, that <laughs> um, a movie that I think, if memory serves correctly, was very bad, um, but I could not tell you. Anyways, uh, we're almost done. We had one more trailer. Peter, did you watch the trailer for Mrs. Davis? No, I started it, oh. but then we started. So, <laughs> oh, whoops! Did you watch it, Aiden? I sure did not. Okay. Well, anyways, it's uh, David Lindelof who did is the it, Watchmen. Is this supposed to be a comedy? Thing. It looks like a comedy. Uh, yeah, and it's basically yeah. a nun is looking for the Holy Grail and is like fighting an ai and she joins like a ragtag group of like rebellious or rebels rebellious rebels who are going against the ai um so it seems fun uh i don't maybe maybe it'll be good i don't know anyways guys it's releasing on peacock man (laughs) oh it is yeah we don't yeah we don't we don't support peacock in this podcast household anyways guys we're 40 minutes into the episode we watched a movie it was the Oscars. We had to talk about it. It's fine. Um, we watched a movie called Screevy or Six Cream. Um, it was directed by Matt Bedinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette, written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Uh, it stars Melissa Barrera, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Jack Champion, Mason Sorry. Gooding, Liana Liberato, Liberato, I don't know, Dermo Mulroney, Devin Nakoda. Jenna Ortega, you can keep saying things at me. I'm not listening. Tony Revolori, Josh Segarra, Hayden Panettiere, and Courtney Cox. Uh, the DP is Brett uh, Jukiewicz. Uh, has a runtime of two hours and two minutes, budget of 33 to 35 million, and a box office of 88.4 million. Pretty good guess. So far. It's still in So theater. far. Yes, yeah. it only just released in theaters last weekend. So it's, yeah. you know, it's and counting. Um, guys. We play a game called Predacritic. Basically, there's a, a website called Metacritic where critics' scores of a movies are tabulated and averaged out of 100. If it's 60 or above, it's green. If it's 80 or above, it's must-see. If it's, we think, between 60 and 45, it's yellow. <laughs> and if it's in, if it's below that, it's red. Alex We're gonna is guess. so professional. We are going to guess. Uh, that has never been attributed to me. Uh, we're going to guess what the score of this movie is. And Aiden is going first because I'm prepared. Okay. <laughs> oh, you Wait, Did you talking. roll the names beforehand? I rolled it right just oh, then wow. as I was talking. Okay. Right. So I'm on it, guys. Sucks that I'm going first. Okay. Uh, some things to consider. Um, I really like this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. And I think people generally will like it. But I just think that... I think that most critic scores are not going to be blown away. I think hmm, if I'm trying to get into the mind of the critic, yo, just don't don't take my score, man. Just don't if take I'm trying my to get score. Into the mind of the critic, I would probably go lower than what I'm thinking here, just because I feel like I don't know. I feel like this is the kind of movie they kind of pick apart. It's like the sixth movie in a franchise, too. Um, okay, I'm gonna go sixty-four. What? I know sixty-four. 64. Interesting. Okay, yeah. interesting. I, think, I, going next. Gonna, I wouldn't put it like that, but I think that that's no. what Chris is going to go. 85. Eight. Peter, that's your guess? We yeah. are so far away from each other. 85. 
Guys, I can clutch this so easily. Yeah. I'm okay. Like, I'm going to go with an honest guess, though. I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to go with my gut here. Okay. I think that Scream is. I'm going to. It's going to be really easy. I think uh, Six Cream, Screevy is higher than 64, but significantly lower than 85. I'm going to go with like a 70 to keep it safe okay because i think i think the best marvel movies are within the 70 Dude, range and you're saying you're not and playing i think the this game. is i would honestly say that this movie is like in the same regard of the better marvel movies um and i i think 60s is kind of like it could be in the high 60s as well i think that's perfectly plausible um anyways let's figure this out once and for all this feels like a very um. It's like the most different we do ever had. Uh, oh, what the fuck! Oh, I disagree so hard. Uh, what is guys, it, guys? That's disappointing. Aiden won. Let's uh, go. Is, Back on top. Is, it, it got a sixty-one. What the fuck? Oh, really? That is so that's, low. Yeah, we have words for the people of Metacritic. That's that um, is that is incredible. But as. Uh, I think we all know how we feel about that, but now that uh, we've done this, uh, we do a thing, not spoiler reactions, um, and Aiden is going first because he won. I sure what did. What do you think? Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I, I'm a big horror guy. I love horror movies. I think I like horror movies even when they're bad, generally speaking. Um, like, Mithrigan is one of my favorite movies of the year, even though I don't think it's, like, an incredible movie. Like, there's there's this kind of movie is so enjoyable for me. Uh, Scream 6 has the benefit of being like genuinely really good though I think like I think that there's a lot of like really fun and suspenseful direction there are a lot of really fun moments I really like uh, some of like the the way they play with your expectations a lot I like that it feels like a Scream movie based off I mean I've only seen two of the other ones I've only seen one of five but I like that it feels like a Scream movie while also feeling like kind of fresh like it's not so tied down to the self-referential thing that it like struggles to just be a movie um, and I think Scream 5 might have had a problem with that a little bit. Um, I like fleshing out the characters. I actually, I really like all the performances and I really like all the characters. I think they're really fun to follow. Um, yeah, this is a, this was a good movie. This is one of my favorite movies of the year so far. I, I had a lot of fun watching this. Um, I think I gave this four stars. And I think, I, I really think this is the kind of movie that a lot of people could really get behind. Um, yeah, I, I have some problems with it, but they're honestly kind of minor. Like this is, for what this movie is and what it's trying to be, I think this is like a very successful thing. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very much on a similar page as you. I I've been watching the Scream franchise. I don't even remember why I started doing this, but I, I in the past couple of months only I started watching all of them. Um, so I I am fully caught up, um, and yeah for a franchise that like hasn't been able to hit the highs of the earliest movies um i think this movie was everything i wanted it to be for like this is the first time i've seen a scream movie in theaters um and it did not let down in that regard um i think the direction and the writing are a huge step up from the last one which i i thought was like pretty good and like like probably topped the worst of the franchise so it wasn't like a like I've it wasn't the like the franchise was bad. Hmm? i've heard the third one's really bad is it 
Yeah, I didn't. I think the third one is the worst one. I, uh, I'm pretty sure that's how I had it ranked. Um, and it's so. So what I mean is like the franchise hasn't like steadily gone down. There was an uptick with five, um, but I think I think this one surpasses it by quite a bit. Um, the characters are really fun to hang around with. Um, the action and the horror are really good in this movie. I just had a great time. I just I went to the movies and I had a good time which is not something I could say with most of the movies I saw this year yeah. that were released this year. Um, and I currently do have it as my top-ranked movie of the year, yeah. um, which is weird. And I'm sure it will not stay there very long. Um, I've only seen maybe like six other movies, and most of them were pretty bad, though. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I give it four stars. Um, and I would recommend people go see this because it was a blast. I had a really good time. Uh, Peter... What did you think? Also, let us know which ones you've seen. So I've, um, Alex did, uh, and Aiden did a good job forcing me to watch at least one screen movie before going into this. And I'll pick, uh, and they recommended number five. So I watched number five. Both did. I thought number five was really mid. Um, and then I went into this one completely blown away by the movie. I'm, I don't really like horror movies usually. And I think this Scream franchise is like very much an entry-level horror movie. It's not like scary, scary, but it's still intense enough to get your heart pumping, which I think is sort of like the best quality of watching these movies in theaters. Like you can't pause. You can't go to bathroom breaks. You know, the speakers are blasting you with sound. You know, there's a big ass screen in front of you. Uh, Like the suspense and the intensity is unmatched watching that in a theater which i thought is and like i always find it really weird when uh, the the director or the actors come out i don't know if this happened at your theater yeah. but like at my theater like there there's a clip right before it's like oh thank you for seeing it the way it's intended to be seen all that like i was just like okay that's like i don't need that i just need to get in the movie but like i absolutely agree with them like this movie if you watch it at home you just simply cannot feel the intensity of the movie in some moments like um in several moments, I get generally like I I uh, I I like I, I was like grabbing my seat or like I I, I generally I got like jump scares were real when they're in the theaters, uh, which I thought was super cool, and I've not never experienced that like in s- such an intense way before, um, and I think it's just a major step up in so many ways compared to five because because five was very much an homage to the original like the previous screens. Um, and with me, which uh, I, I didn't really know about the previous characters, uh, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. So a lot of times it's like putting names to characters. Oh, this character is related to that. So he's getting hunted. This character is related to that. But then this movie is very much focused around like the new people with, with p- paying some homage to the old people. But then the old folks are main, merely name drops most of the time, except for one or two major ghost faces that are sort of um that 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 occur that appeared in five and also appeared in the first one Mm. but just just a great time and like i was looking at the movies i've seen this year it's creed 3 and ant-man and this is like (laughs) miles above both of them i think uh just uh uh just like a great time and i think um i might i might start watching some of these light horror movies uh more often uh 
I give it a four and a half out of five. I think it had I had some kinks about the way uh, the third act. Kinks? Some kinks. <laughs> some kinks. Okay. Some kinks, some kinks about maybe, how the <laughs> maybe not on the pod. We can like we can talk about that off air. I think I think, think, um, I think the third I'm act. <laughs> I think the third act can be handled a little better. But other than that, I think it's executed very well, and I loved the movie. I thought it was really good. I'd recommend everybody to see it. But if this is your first screen movie, I recommend to watch five before this. Just to get a little bit more context and you will enjoy it a lot more if you've seen five. Yeah. yeah, definitely yeah. like like yeah. five directly leads into this one. So you yeah. do need to see five. Yeah. And I mean it all started with one. So like you should probably watch that one as well. It's also the best. And then like this is also like pays homage to the second one because this is the sequel to the reboot. So you should probably watch two as well. And I mean, if you're already there, you might as well watch three and four anyways. Because I mean, oh no, I fucked it up. Because the four has Hayden Panettiere and has uh, Kirby. So you should watch four to catch up on that. And then while you're there, you may as well watch three anyways because you're almost done. So yeah, just watch all of them. Um, It is very funny that you said that this was better than Creed because I bet most people would disagree, but Aiden and I have not watched Creed 3 yet. So Yo, we can't guys, like, fight you on Creed that. is so overhyped. Oh my goodness. We don't need to get into that. Yeah. I don't want to take that heat. Um, but yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I'm glad we can talk about a good movie after our really terrible movie. Absolutely. Last week. Yeah. Um, guys, we have a spoiler warning. Pew, 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 pew. Peter, as the loser of the Predacritic game, you have to summarize this easy. movie. So easy. Oh my god. It should yeah, not be too hard. This is not a hard oh, one. Can, can I skip the non-major killings? Yeah, you don't have to. You you do what you what? see fit. Oh, okay, oh, okay. I see. Yeah. How about we just summarize the movie? Do it as you will. All right. When the timer starts... The blood starts pumping and oh, people bet. tend to get in their head and then just kind of like ramble. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to give you any directions because yeah. you'll fuck it up yourself. That's yeah, yeah. kind of what happens. Yeah, yeah. Give, give no me one, one does, moment. No one does a good synopsis in two minutes. <laughs> yeah, on the right, on last week's episode, I straight up just like forgot what was happening. Because <laughs> you get caught up, you're like, and then, oh no, oh no. And then you just stop. <laughs> okay, you ready, Peter? Yeah, Did you it. have to write some things down? No, okay. no, no, no. Okay, here we go. And I'll, I'll, I'm gonna do this from now on. I'm gonna hold up a one if you're one minute, and I'm not gonna cut in. So I'll, I'll let okay, you know, okay. and then I'll do a three for thirty seconds. Okay. All right. We've got the timer, and three, two, one, go. So the gang from Scream Five moved to New York because you know Woodsboro is dangerous, and they don't want to live there anymore. Uh, college. Oh yeah, also college. Yeah, good shot. Good call. So um. The, uh, they, they move to New York and Scream Killing starts again. Uh, this time, it's not two, it's not one, it's three people. Uh, and they're actually... The- <laughs> you skipped to the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, hey, it's spoiler. We yeah. already said the spoiler sure. warning. Um, so it's three people. And actually, um, the, the intention this time is uh, get revenge on Richie. Richie, played by Jack Quaid in Scream 5. <laughs> had a, a brother and a sister and a dad and they're all mad that richie's dead so yeah. they put on the mask and they want to get revenge so they started killing off the friends you know and then they oh they also have this gigantic theater set up that was used in the third act which is like a scream museum that's sort of cool and then kirby came back as an fbi agent uh, uh gail came back as a reporter uh gail got attacked in her home 
uh, the order's all messed up. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so, guys, guys. Okay, let me let me restart. Let me restart. So the, the, uh, the order of the attacks. The order of the attacks. Um, the 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 gang. The 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 uh, the original four got attacked. The core four <laughs> the got 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 attacked at their apartment. Um, and then and then uh the uh the Mindy's girlfriend died. And Quinn, which is their roommate now, thought to be dead. I, I'm sorry, I'm going over time. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, and then they were like, "Okay, we can track the killer's phone." But then, uh, but then the killer's like, "Ha ha ha! Surprise!" Then they att- they went to attack Gail instead of the the, the carpenter sisters. So Gail got attacked in her home. Uh, she's bleeding out, thought to be dead. Uh, and then. And then uh, they're like, okay, we gotta, we, we gotta use the fact that the killer is tracking you guys to uh, against them, so we'll bait them into the theater, the Time's screen up. museum. <laughs> are you reading something? What no, reading? I'm just looking at the actors list because there's so many people. Oh, okay. Um, so in the museum, uh, the the detective, tri- which is Quinn's dad, <laughs> tricks he's them. He's doing he's doing air quotation <laughs> marks yeah, just he's for not us. Yeah, because detective. He's a the fucking detective. <laughs> He's a oh ghostface. Um, he is a detective. Well, well, like he tricked them, thinking Kirby is a ghostface. So they're all running away. But then they revealed that the detective and his kids, which is which are Richie's uh, sister and brother, are actually the ghostface. So they fought, and then uh, uh, Chad got stabbed as yep. well. But Chad, Mindy, and Gail all survived their stabbing. Kirby as well. She sort of got a bullet in the chest somewhere, but she also survived. So, end of the day, only uh, the ghost faces and uh, Mindy's girlfriend died, and everyone else survived. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that wow. That, you were, yeah. You we're going to talk about that. Yeah, but like, yeah. Um, yeah, I also just want to say uh, Jack Champion, aka Spider, aka Richie's brother uh, in this movie, uh, is also like part of the friend group. Like, he's uh, Chad's roommate. And so that's why yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. it's thing into it. Yeah. That was. Um probably the most that was so chaotic i'm so chaotic sorry. was that directed <laughs> by elizabeth banks oh my god was that synopsis directed it, by executive because, wow. produce man <laughs> you started with the like logline synopsis setup and then cut to the ending the spoiler ending as a way to explain what happened which is not how these movies ever work but yeah that's basically yeah you i think you kind of got it by the end yeah. Um, in a very interesting order um so we're gonna start our spoiler discussion uh let's start off with the classic question the now classic question what was your favorite part Mm. Mm. i'll let you you guys take that first i actually want to think about that for a sec i do have one off the cuff sure not off the dome it's off aiden's is off the dome yeah mine will be off the cuff right Mm -hmm. um so off of my cuff I would have to say one of my favorite scenes is the bodega scene. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll get into this more later, but one of the very New York things about this movie is there's a, a scream or a, a ghost face scene in a bodega. So mm-hmm. they're running away from, I love how that starts too. Like he just pops out of the yeah. shadows, chases them, and then doesn't give a fuck that he's in public. And like is still like hunt he's like hunting them yeah which feels so new for a scream movie um and then i think he, he starts with a knife the bodega store owner pulls a out a shotgun 
and then Ghostface has a shotgun, <laughs> which is new and interesting. I don't think it's the only time he's had a gun, but it's it's a great scene. I love the tension where they're hiding from him between the shells, and there's the broken glass, which is a really good detail, trying not to make noise on the broken glass. Yeah. Um, man, there's some, and there's some like great shots. Yeah. Which is. In, in a screen movie the of the shotgun yes. that's so sick yeah yeah um also so that one was like obviously one of the best ones of the whole movie there's also the shot where they're between the shelves and she's looking at Ghostface, and he's turned away and then he looks at her through yeah. the shelf the crack in the shelf oh, oh my god yeah. so i i love that scene so much it was in the trailer and i knew yeah. it, this was gonna be a good one but i also wow. love how it establishes like like oh shit like we're dealing with a different thing here like like you were saying mm-hmm. like it like really effectively established like okay these these ghost face like really don't give a fuck and it like mm-hmm. like we're in new york now like you know like and there's people everywhere so you'd think like oh maybe they have to be like more reserved but it's like no we're we're right out in public and you see that in the yeah. subway scene too and that's one of the things i really like about that as well um the subway scene that's much later when uh, the, 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 uh what's her jasmine <laughs> brown what's her character's name mindy mindy when mindy gets stabbed yeah yeah peter do you have any thoughts on the bodega scene i i dude i love that scene uh but i I actually that's not my favorite i did i did really enjoy that scene though my favorite has to be uh when they're in the theater and chad just got sort of executed and both both (laughs) was was at the uh was at the theater commission uh the commission's uh the uh the, the snack bar concession concessions oh my god yeah. the word wasn't coming to me the commissioner and then, gordon stand <laughs> and then they did this with their knives like yeah. they were, they were oh, so, yeah. that was so sick yeah. oh my god and the sound at the background is like sharpening their knife yeah. at the same yeah. time that was such a lit scene um and uh when it comes to most intense scene though in my opinion it's gail's apartment like it's just such a okay. fun playground for the screen people and uh, like even though like <laughs> I, people. I, I get like the um, the carpenter apartment scene like overall it's more bloody and more intense but that one had this sort of like a hunter and a prey going thing thing going on where like oh now she has a gun so she she's like she's like uh when it comes to firepower she's coming off on top but but like the the there are so many times where the dynamic switch between the screen duo and gail and i just thought that was so fun and that scene uh when um when uh, they appear behind like a shelf, genuinely gave me a scare. And I thought it was really funny when Gail was taking a call and his, her boyfriend just got stabbed in the back very quietly. Oh, yeah. You just yeah. see the body falling down. Uh, but yeah, I, that, that was my, uh, these two were some of my favorites. The, mo- the moment I love in that scene is also yeah. when like Gail like quickly hangs up the phone and then calls him and then like shoots through yes! the door and then they're approaching yes! her. I'm like, that's a great moment. Yeah. You know, I I I was like, oh, that's genius. The fact that you know it's been six six movies and they haven't done that yet. The callback, yeah. they like it's it's smart and it shows that that character progression. Like she's right. done this. Yeah, she's it, an expert. That's what I like. She should have been thinking about this. I think there is a lot of like character motivated actions within action set pieces that I like as well. Like the way mm-hmm. Gail responds in this situation is like very adept, like knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like only gets, only really gets stabbed at the end through like sleight of hand, more or less. Like, it's just like, yeah. a, like a little detail. Yep. 
doesn't give a fuck about her boyfriend. She's like, oh, I was, I didn't care anyways. I yeah. knew he was going to die. <laughs> you know? Um, um, but yeah, no. And I think in the apartment scene too, like I like, like seeing the way the different characters like react within, uh, um, within like peril, like within, in like really mm-hmm. intense situations. Like, I think that's one of the things that made this movie stand out to me is that there's a lot of like specific attention to like how characters react and what characters do. Um, but honestly, like, I love both those scenes. Those are probably two of my favorite scenes. I would say one of my favorite parts is honestly like the opening sequence, like our kind of okay, yeah. that we have. Um, I, I loved that. I mean, I love like, you know, we're starting on like a random person and we're getting like, okay, like we're introducing the concept and it's like really, really fresh. I, I really liked the idea. Like when Tony Revolori takes off the mask and then yes. it's like, what's going on here? And then, and then, yeah. and then we follow him like into his day and like, that's so naturally tense. Cause it's like the writers are taking advantage of the fact that, you know, someone has to die. Like you, you mm-hmm. know, they have to do the thing where they raise the hand slash title card. Like, you know, yeah. that's going to happen. And the writers know that, you know, it's going to happen. And so like, even him just walking around his apartment is very tense. And I think that they, like they use shots that like, don't reveal much of the apartment, like when he's there. And I think like, that's like something that's carried through throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah. And then I really love, it also sets up this idea of like, cause they're playing kind of with like Redditor mob mentality. Like that's one of the ideas they're oh. playing with in, uh, in this movie. And mm-hmm. I like that they're like kind of these incel guys, um, a little bit. And, uh, yeah. Peter has something to Yo, say. Two things. So first I thought it was really fun. Um, uh, because the directors of this movie also did Ready or Not. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, oh, Samara that explains Weaving, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Samara okay. Weaving starred in, and she is the final girl. So, like, see, like, I was like, oh, that's Samara Weaving. And it's like, oh, she's probably going to die because it's the opening scene. <laughs> that's like, that. That. I thought that was a fun callback and also, like, totally unexpected. Like, there were so many big, big cameos. Like, I wasn't expecting to see fucking Flash Thompson from the MCU to show up here, <laughs> you know? And uh, the scream row from Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, but people don't know that movie. It's a small indie movie, which I love. Grand Budapest is one of my favorites. But anyways, Grand uh, Budapest, a small indie movie for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, love the ghost face on ghost face action. Like, I thought that's just like like you guys said. Like, there are so many fresh takes of this franchise in this movie that I just thought is just really fun to see. Uh, one do you think, also, yeah. Uh, sorry, just uh, really quick. One uh, thing I also love about that scene is like the like it also establishes this idea of like things can happen in the middle of like crowded areas, and there's so many mm-hmm. like nooks and crannies in New York City that like mm-hmm. anyone could be lurking in. Like it happens in this alley right beside a busy street, and no one notices. Yeah. He just walks out, and I re- I like that idea a lot. Yeah, I think this is one of the strongest cold opens. Um, I think. It's also one of the few that's like a fake out. There's another one which I don't think you guys would have seen in number four. I, I've where... seen I've seen the opening. Okay, so but there's the the opening in four for those who haven't seen spoilers, I suppose. Um, is <laughs> that was a very <laughs> weak people <laughs> Yeah. Um. Uh. And in that one, it's it's a it's it starts out. There's normal. two people. There are two people watching a movie and then somebody kills them and then it's revealed that people are watching a movie where that happens and they're like, whoa, isn't that crazy? And then they get killed 
watching that movie and then that turns out to be a movie and then it's the real people who are also watching that movie so it's like a movie in a movie in a movie it's like deception that's so Um, funny but yeah the ghost face killing ghost face thing was really i was quite shocked and it's the it's the moment when he reveals his mask it's the it's probably five minutes into the movie and you're like that is not supposed to happen yeah yeah this should not be happening and it sets up the rest of the movie being kind of like different than the rest and i I don't think it's all in all it's not really too different from a scream movie it's still pretty like like nothing nothing insane happens for a scream movie but it is it is pushing the boundaries of what the scream movies are i think Mm -hmm. and it is very different from the other ones nonetheless and Uh, also i I just thought the uh, the reason behind the killing was funny sorry alex um, oh, that he's just like a film major. Yeah, he's like, he gave me yeah. a C on my paper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not like like film majors are cool people, I think. Um, but intro film students don't trust them. Yeah. They could be Ghostface. Most of them. Um, I was going to say most that. Most of them. <laughs> I'm just whatever. Um, I was going to say New York famously or infamously, no. It's a myth, I guess, that New York has alleyways because it doesn't. Oh, really? New York, New York City has in total three alleyways. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's a common, it's a misconception um, because so many movies set in New York have alleyways because you'd you'd assume like, oh, it's so seedy and whatever. But no, there's only three, um, a lot of them film in this one alleyway and I've been there. Well, this one was shot in Montreal. So that would and I was going to say, yes. So uh, a big reason is because a lot of movies don't film in New York. Yeah. They film in uh, Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal to emulate New York. Uh, and so where they have alleyways and stuff like, you know, they don't know. Um, but yeah, great opening sequence. Uh, what else should we talk about? Um, uh, we should talk about stuff. We should. <laughs> How about we talk about, let's go to the beginning. Let's just go in order yeah. unless we have a, a reason not to. Um, Can we so talk first, about, uh, like, you. Did, you, did, you, did you guys, did you guys like, guess the ending? Or do we want to save sure. it for later? Do we, do we want to talk about that? Because I feel like it's natural. Like, we, we talk about, do we, do we predict it? And then we go through the sure. individual parts, maybe. Sure. sure. Yeah, so I will say, uh, I sent a text to the group chat after this saying, I am a god among men. Uh, and that was because <laughs> yeah, I, I guessed every single killer. And not only that, I was like almost spot on with what the motivation and backstory was for it. Cause like, I, I am actually like the smartest person to ever walk this planet. I think is the reason. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like when, um, uh, when Quinn says like something about her brother very early on to the movie, like she's it's, like, Oh, yeah. when my brother passed away and the movie doesn't call attention to it that much. Yeah. And if it mm-hmm. did, then I wouldn't have clocked it as much, but because it's just something that you're clearly supposed to kind of dismiss, I was like, no, that's important. Um, yeah. and then, and then she dies, but we don't see her die. And we also, we just see her bloody body thrown out and it's like, if you're going to do that, you're going to have her like head cut off or something. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be really brutal. Mm. You're not going to waste a death in a screen movie. So I was like, okay, she's alive. She's definitely the killer. If she's alive, the dad has to be the killer. Cause he has to lie about the fact that he saw her body. Then there's also the line where he's like, 
yeah, I, I do it. I'm going to kill the people who killed my family or whatever. And he says that to, um, he says that to Tara and Sam and it's like, yeah, you're talking to them. I, I, I get it. Like, I see what you're saying. Um, and then I, I, they went through the whole, like, oh, the franchise rules are out the window. They went through that speech and I was like, okay, well, they're going to do something with the killers. I think they're going to have a third one. They've never done that. What um, the fuck? That's yeah, insane. I, I literally, I did, that's crazy. I did think that cause I was just like, I think it might have also been a thing where it didn't quite make sense maybe to have – if it was just them, there were some things where it's like, well, they couldn't have been there, but I, I could be wrong about that. Mm, yeah. Um, but also – and then I knew it was Jack Champion because it got to a point where there's a certain amount where characters need to be like – need to be cannon fodder. Like they need to – basically they replicate the same narrative function and they need to either die or get a new narrative function. And so, like, the girlfriend, the girlfriend and Jack Champion are both, like, like, they're just, like, outsiders that are, like, what do you mean a ghost face is coming after me? So, it's, like, and (laughs) they don't, they don't have a unique perspective on it. So, she dies because, like, there's no, she's not doing anything in the script. And then, also, we're getting far into the movie where Jack Champion hasn't done anything and he needs to do something. Oh, my God. That's That's smart, actually, yeah. So, like, there's that. And it's, like, it's the same reason I knew it was Jack Quaid in the first one, where it was, like, Mm. why is he here? Like, there's we're getting far into the movie and there's nothing. He hasn't done anything. And it has he has to do a big thing to justify being here. The only thing I didn't guess, I didn't guess that he was a brother. I actually thought he was just, like, an incel guy that was, like, like hated hated them and like was just tagging along like yeah i'll kill them too um but that's that's the only part of it that i did guess wow oh sorry oh and then one more thing about the replicating narrative function i knew it was the dad because you have two cops two cops who have like the same perspective on the thing more or less you don't need two cops because you have kirby and the dad so one dude you're crazy like what the fuck whatever yeah yeah he's okay so you're going off a little too hard um (laughs) i was kind of like I got it, as I said in the chat, 75% correct because I I clocked it being the dad, uh, the police detective pretty early on because now I like that we have different reasoning too, which yeah. makes it very interesting. So my reasoning is that is an actor that I recognize. Yeah. Um, and so I was always kind of suspicious of him. I was like, I know this guy. <laughs> I've seen him in movies. He's kind of like mid-famous like character actor. Um, and character actors are like, that's who you want to cast as Ghostface. So yeah. I clocked that as being suspicious. Um, and I don't I don't remember the other reasons, but like he was just saying weird things all the time. And once I realized it was him, I knew it had to be the daughter. So I figured out that she was not dead as well. I didn't, it wasn't for the same reasons as Aiden, yeah. but I knew she was alive and it was those two. I was genuinely surprised that there was a third person because I didn't, I didn't think there would need to be, but when a third ghost face showed up, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like I was genuinely shocked. Um, but I did know that it was, I knew it would have been of the brother thing. Um, so I guess, I guess we kind of had the same amount, right? Except you knew Jack Champion Spider would also be in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm not a God amongst men. I'm more of like a demigod amongst yeah. men, but like, that's pretty good. You're my son. Like, that's, uh that's weird but we don't have to we don't have to get into the particulars uh but no like i um yeah i I was i found that over time having seen more screen movies i'm i'm able to get them right more often Mm. which is always fun um 
Peter, I imagine you got none of it right and had Dude. no idea what was going on. Okay, okay, hear me out. I have this weird <laughs> thing going on where I judge Ghostface based on their physical abilities. Okay. So, 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 okay, and I'm pretty sure this this is terribly inaccurate for Scream because apparently Ghostface are just super superhuman. Yeah, but, the idea um, is always that like you take up the mantle and you just become Ghostface and now you're Ghostface. Yeah. Like that's Joe. So like I'm like okay, this ghost face seems very strong. He's able to just handle like big strong men like in the bodega, and then he's very adept with weapons with a shotgun. Yeah. So it's like okay, who is adept with weapon and is also super strong? The detective. Oh, oh, he was <laughs> and, right. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I was super surprised. Like at the end, detective called him. He's like, "Oh, I'm not there." You know, it's like, "Oh, Kirby, Kirby, she's it." And then Kirby showed up all bloody. And I'm just like, "Yo, shit, is it actually Kirby all this time? There's no way, right?" Like she got stabbed, and she just like turned all ghost face. And then obviously, the detective shot her. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, okay, thank God." And then, of course, did not see the third ghost face coming. I thought for the longest time it's uh, Sam's new boyfriend. Because oh, yeah. uh, Sam's boyfriend's strong, you know, he's seen, but then he like he kept appearing in the scenes without costume, without like the ghost face costume with the victims, you know, like he like he's with the group when the victims getting when victims are getting stabbed. So I also like, don't okay, think so, I don't think they do the it's her boyfriend again. That was what I was thinking as well. Yeah, that's mm, a good yeah. call. But, no, but I just thought I, I just thought like that dumb boy like like uh jack quaid is sort of like like he's like he's he's basically playing huey in uh the boys you know like this sort of yeah. like shy boyfriend trope yeah, it's literally like richie like, is his name like you could like it's like, yeah right yeah. um and uh and and like i thought like this one's like a strong like a little dumb jock boyfriend type that's gonna turn out to be the killer uh but then like obviously he kept appearing in the scenes that the killer also appears in without costume and without a knife so i was like okay so it can't be him and then the three ghost face caught me complete off guard. Like, I was not expecting that at all. I thought Quinn's, like, dead, dead for real when, really? uh, when she fell over out the door. I was like, oh, fuck. So it's not Quinn. And I was really surprised that Ghostface just did this behind her. It's like, what the fuck is that scene supposed to be about? You know? Like, like looking back, is it just for the guy across the seat? It's like, hey, I'm about to go Yeah, Quinn. he's just fucking yeah. I'm like, about to go Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh... But anyways, yeah, I got I got thirty percent of it right, but <laughs> there we go. Actually, yeah, that was a good moment too, where Pug from She Hulk is like across the That's alley, and he's like, That's "I clocked it. that, yeah. I clocked that almost immediately," and I was like, "I can't look at this guy the same way. He's the dumb lawyer <laughs> from She Hulk." Man, Pug was so fun. You remember that show? Yeah. Um, but uh, we were talking about. Did you guess it right? Um. Which leads us to the question, does this make it predictable? The fact that we, Aiden and I both were pretty close to, to on the nail or whatever people say. Yeah, that's that's actually one of my criticisms of this movie where I I actually don't think this movie provides very many options for who the killer can be. Like realistically, mm-hmm. like it doesn't provide that many motivations, especially as you yeah. get further into the movie where it's like, okay, like it could be this person, but they haven't really set that up. Like it would be, it would be kind of dumb if it was this person, and so it's like, yeah, like that. That was also one of the thought reasons I thought it was going to be a third killer because I was like, they're in a position where they can't make it surprising who the killer is going to be because it's like 
it can't really be anyone but the son and but the cop and daughter so that's one of the reasons i was like well to make it surprising they'll add a third person like yeah. like that's, yeah. some, that's something like that where because and i do it can't, feel like, the, it can't be the core four and it can't be right. courtney cox and so you're running out of people already and, and i don't think, I didn't think it was gonna be kirby like i wasn't really convinced on that and it was like yeah like and yeah, you're getting to a point where it's like there aren't that many people it could be. I didn't think it would be the boyfriend again. And we haven't seen much of the boyfriend. Like he hasn't – again, like with Jack Champion – with Jack Champion, we get the setup like, oh, he's not good with like girls. Like he's a virgin or whatever. Like he, there are like multiple scenes where we call attention to that. And then he like – I forget. He says something at the end that makes him all incelly. Or I don't remember, I don't remember what he says. He says something. Yeah, yeah. But like so we have set up for that, that like – he is this kind of like jealous sort of like like kind of creepy guy a little bit like and so like there is there's something to be revealed there whereas like with the other characters there isn't much you know what i mean um so that that's one of my criticisms where it's like the guessing game element wasn't as fun for me because i was like i know who it is like it it it, Mm -hmm. it like can't really be anyone else but yeah i don't know i i do think that um that's a good point but Otherwise, I think while sticking more or less to the same kind of tried and true formula of the Scream movies, I do think that this movie does a lot to um, stray and to, yeah, like innovate, I guess. Um, So that while maybe there's not quite so many options for who the killer could be, I do think like most of the scenes feel very fresh, which is a really nice change. Um, I, I do think like... Yeah, some of the worst of the franchise I'm just thinking thinking back to, and it's like, yeah, it really is just like the same kind of setups. Like, oh, here's one character who's alone, and, you know, they're going to be like looking around, they get a phone call, and instead this time they're, you know, going on the offensive, things are happening happening in public. So um, I, I, I honestly don't care if I'm able to guess who the killer is, because like I said, I've been pretty close the last couple of times, but... I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fun to be able to guess who it is because what the alternative, here's a point. The alternative is with Scream 3, there's like, I don't think there's any way to guess like, or, or maybe, maybe there is, but like, yeah. I was kind of like, wait, what? It's this person? And I don't need to reveal who it is, but I, I it, was know, just, I've like it was just, it was just so random that I was like, this isn't fun because I actually do want to be able to guess who it is. Yeah. Cause if it's, well, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's too random and there weren't clues enough, then it's like, okay, well, what was the point of making it? But there's so a happy medium know. between that where you for can, sure, yeah. where you can guess it and you can throw, you can put red herrings in like that. That's what I'm really saying is like, there aren't really that many red herrings in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's not, there's not much to lead you down a, a, the wrong path. And I think you yeah. can just put a couple more of those in and just, make it a little bit i i actually saw uh spider jack champion his he was playing the person who is usually the ghost face like the incel white boy yeah so you know just like jack quaid just like the person in scream four uh i'm trying to remember scream two no i don't i don't think scream two was like that but like anyways like the kind of person you would in our day and age expect to be a ghost face person anyways. Just yeah. like, yeah, it's probably that guy. <laughs> um, like, so I, I took that as a red herring and thinking that they would try and deviate oh. from the franchise away from that. 
So I don't know if they did that on purpose, being like, we're going to play into it more, knowing, like, I don't know if they were on the reverse psychology kind of train, but that's how I was operating. And so I think that was kind of interesting. But So I think, honestly, like for me, with only uh, only seeing five, I think my biggest problem with five is wherever you see an open door or like a, like, like a shop where you see a character alone, then you're like, okay, the character's going to die or it's getting stabbed. There will be attack happening, you know? But like with this one... Every time there's an open door? Yeah, dude. There's so what many What is up times. with open doors? What's up with all these open doors in this place? Dude, um, I think it was... Uh, his name is Wes. Wes is the guy with the... Yeah. Is the, the sheriff's son, right? Yeah. Like that entire scene was just like open door, open door, open door, open fridge door, open backyard door, open front door. <laughs> it's like you see open doors and you're like, oh shit, someone's going to die. You know, I, like literally I was going to write a review for screen five. It's just like literally I am now forever scared of open doors because of <laughs> ghost face, you know? I, but, actually, I really like the scene where that character dies. Though. I think that was so much fun. Like you, you're not right. sure like where the yeah, ghost but, is. Because it's like faking you out. The one where he's yeah, going yeah, around yeah. the house and he like he oh, opens the fridge and it's cut off, and then it's like yeah. Yeah. there's gonna be behind it. I think that's fun. Like that's a good scene. I, I thought that was cool, but like I enjoy the uh, what they've done here a lot more, in my opinion. Where it's a uh, where it's like you feel like it's not like baiting you. Like, oh, Ghostface is here. Ghostface is here. It's like you know Ghostface is here. It's just you don't know where he's gonna be coming from. Mm-hmm in this movie i thought that was executed better but when it comes to actual predictability i only predict 30 percent of the movie i just thought like the movie told you enough to make these predictions possible but then not too much to make these predictions obvious to me at least mm-hmm. and i thought that's like the perfect balance that every mystery or like who done a movie should be striving for and that did the the thing for me so it worked i liked it so my, that's my take cool. yeah so like cool yeah um yeah open doors am i right um, open so doors, of, exactly. um predicted predictability and open doors let's talk about the directing yeah so this was <laughs> that was a bad segue on purpose so the directing how did I think he is, direct the open doors it's like door open <laughs> yeah so i think i think the directing was a huge step up from the last one i don't know like what special juice they like took because i i would have thought that different people had directed this from the last one like it's that drastic to me oh um i just think that a lot of attention was paid to shot choice especially yeah um where there's like like I, i i can't think of a single shot from five and i i saw it in january so not too long ago um but i can't think of a single shot that i was like impressed by in that one sure and then this movie like i have a like i have a little document where like i take shots from movies that i think are really awesome and i just like that's something i do yeah there are shots from this movie i would put in that document oh cool um like what there was the shotgun shot we talked about Mm -hmm. uh there's a shot at the almost at the very end of the movie where she leaves the mask behind and it's on the pavement and they're walking away in a wide shot yeah that's a classic that's a shot um i was like i like the way they used the the screen this the projector in the final scene i thought that was really interesting yeah with the fire it was like um bastards it was like inglorious bastards yeah yeah um but yeah like i just i think also lighting was really good in this movie yeah. not necessarily directed but 
And I, uh, I think the characters are a lot stronger than they were in this one. Yes. Uh, and I have a whole point about the characters that we'll get into, but and I, I do think that a huge part of that is the directing and how they were directed. Yeah. Uh, but Peter is bouncing around and he needs something to say. Yeah, um, absolutely agree with you on the character point. Uh, we'll talk more when we actually get to that. But I just thought overall, like, New York is just such a fun playground and they the the direction they took the movie was just utilizing every parts of New York, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and uh Oh I was trying to I was trying to give Aiden because I was I brought him New York's so like Aiden oh yeah yeah you know, to my point, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so I I really I think moving to New York great idea I think it's a lot of fun there's a lot of ideas my point is actually that I almost feel like they just could have done a bit more with it like I do feel like there's sometimes where we're getting into like really isolated situations that like aren't like that could kind of happen anywhere. Like the apartment is not an example of that. Cause I think like the idea of like, Oh, they have to crawl between apartments. Like, I, like that's a really fun. And like, it's kind of this claustrophobic yeah. thing. Like that's fun. The bodega thing is an example of that they got the subway. So I'm not saying they don't do it. Like they do. I think they do it pretty well, but so for example, like the third act is like in just in this theater. And I actually, I really like that location. I think it's really cool. And there are a lot of things I like about it, but I almost feel like that's not as interesting. Like that could be in Woods, Woodsboro. And I feel like that's not utilizing um, like the horror of New York. It kind of drops off there. And I feel like if they had, I, not something corny, like it, they're on the Statue of Liberty, like that's stupid, but like, yeah. or even, even going to Times Square might be kind of dumb, but like, um, I don't know, just some something that utilizes like the outdoor, um, you know, standing out, like hiding in plain sight kind of thing a little bit more. Um, I think like that could have been really fun. It, it's not like a big criticism, but I just. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And I do kind of agree with that. Um, I think you've got this great idea of like, yes, yeah, what is Ghostface like in New York? Because he's only ever been. Oh, no, no, no. He's been in mostly in Woodsboro, but also in Hollywood. So they do kind of like do that as well. Um, although I, I think even in that scenario, they're not really playing in Hollywood so much as in his back studio lot. I digress. Um, I do think that there are some really great set pieces that do utilize the location. So the bodega, subway, I think even just the idea of an apartment is very New York. Yeah. Not exclusive to New York, but um uh, and the, the alleyways that don't exist there. Um, but uh, they, they do spend one scene in Central Park, but I do think that it doesn't really feel like Central Park. Yeah. Because they're just kind of like, like that could have been any park. There's yeah. nothing, none of the distinct Central Park things are there. Um, and yeah, yeah I'm, maybe I'm not just a big like, fan of that scene. Yeah, it was, it was a kind of a nothing scene in a nothing location. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that maybe one more thing or like, I don't know. But yeah, what you said about the theater is kind of like it doesn't necessarily feel New Yorkian uh, to warrant how big of a role it plays. And I'm not sure how you would go around that. Maybe like an abandoned warehouse might feel more like New York. But um, yeah, like unless it was like, I actually do think your Times Square idea would be kind of fun because of the people dressed up there anyways. And the lights could be really interesting. But um yeah maybe didn't utilize ghost like, in the big what if to 
they're like trying to clear sam's name a little bit they're also trying to like expose ghostface publicly in some way or something i don't know oh that that would be interesting yeah 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 peter yeah i thought like one thing i thought the movie just did really well it's like in the first movie it's very much like if you're in the crowd or sorry screen five if you're in a crowd you should be safe you know and i really like how this idea of setting in new york big city so many people uh the horror of crowds where like mindy literally got stabbed middle of the subway you know no one's looking at her no one's no one cares it's only when like um what's what's his character ethan's name i think ethan's his name uh ethan was dragging his body outside of subway then everyone started oh my god is she okay like i really love that it's like like in these situations you get another layer of horror where like you have the scene where like um the subway is going through tunnels or the lights are flickering and then you periodically see ghostface just crawl uh crawling steadily uh steadily more and more towards you that's great that's just like only in New York moments, you know? And, like, the fact that they got separated because there were so many people rushing in and now they can't squeeze on the subway. Uh, they're just, like, moments that New York helped create that I thought the movie did super well. So, I like yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah, I think let's we should talk about the subway scene. Yeah. Because um, I think I think that's... And we're not we talking about eating here. fresh, dude. What? We're oh, not talking okay. about eating fresh, dude. Actually, speaking of which, maybe you should eat fresh. Go to Subway. Yeah, we. This is fake. This is nice. we're not sponsored. Yeah. But if Subway wanted to sponsor us, we could use some money. Hey. Speaking of subways, there's a scene in a subway, but not eat fresh. We're going in circles. Um, I do think I do think the subway scene is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Didn't mention it yeah. at the top, but. Um, the the tension of like the lights flickering like peter said and ghostface kind of appearing in and out and how like patient they are with kind of like making you know like something is gonna happen but really like stretching it out and being like no nothing's here just yet don't worry but be nervous because like they keep cutting to like close-ups of of the nerd the nerd girl character What's her name? We she has a name. We, Mindy. Mindy. Yeah. So they keep cutting the close-ups of Mindy, and like, just like the crowd, the people who are all dressed in horror uh, icon costumes, and um, it's yeah. I think what, I think what Peter said about the the thing about crowds, the horror of crowds. I think it's a really good insight, actually. Yeah. Um, I really love the editing in that scene. Like, I love I love yeah. the editing in that scene too. Uh, I think it works really well. It does a really good job to like single out like because you see all these people in ghost face masks and you're like, well, this person like just through the power of editing looks more sus. Like we cut to a close up of Mindy, like kind of furring her brow a little bit. Cut to that person and it's actually the ghost face that's like not really looking at her. Where it's like, whoa, like just that that little detail of he's sitting down with his head down on the subway is really threatening because it's the idea that like he stands out in this crowd of people who are kind of like looking around and everything. And they're like, kind of looking at her, like, but he is just like doubled over. Like, like he's planning something or something. I thought, I thought that was great. Um, yeah. I think like, actually uh, what Peter had said earlier, it made me think about something, but I think the screen franchise has always kind of pointed out the callousness of um, other people and like bystanders. 
mm-hmm. bystanders, um, especially people who are like who love the stab franchise within the Scream franchise. Um, and so they they always get super excited about these movies. And yet when there's people who are like who were the actual victims, they don't like respect that. And this is this has been going on since I don't know, probably the sequel even, uh, where they, they open on the the stab movie opening in the in the world. Anyways, um, I think that they take this idea that like ordinary people don't like which is also true of just our regular world. So it's a good satire, but um, they take this idea and they bring it to 11 in this city of people who are often so trying so hard to like stay in their own bubble. And New Yorkers are often seen as a callous people, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But um, I, yeah, I, and I think those scenes where you're in public, but you're not safe because all of these people are not paying attention or they're just kind of like worried about themselves. And I think, I think people wearing those Halloween costumes is also kind of saying something, which is interesting. Anyways, this is a rambly point, Peter. Yeah. And I I just really love that. They set this around Halloween time. It's like, like two normal people um, who've not been through the ghost face trauma that our main characters have been through. Like these are just Halloween costumes. They're like Halloween icons. Uh, from horror movies but like to these people any one of these because they're being hunted actively any one of these can be their killer hiding in plain sight and i thought that just adds such like so much tension to both um the uh um i forgot his name uh the 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 carpenter sister group on the subway and also to mindy and uh, ethan group on the subway so Mm. I remember where my point was going, but I forgot <laughs> from the last one. So I, what this movie does that is interesting is um, people, are, people are accusing Sam Carpenter of mm-hmm. being like the killer all along and like being Ghostface. Yeah. And I think I don't I don't really know the timing of like when this was written, but it seems so sharp and like accurate to the world we are currently living in with like off the off the not off the top of my head but like i can think of at least two very well known famous trials public very public trials that happened in the past year or maybe two years i can't remember Mm. um where women were had been abused and it got so popular and then the, the trial got popular and then people turned against the women who had been abused in the first place and were like demonizing them. So like one was Megan the stallion who was shot by her. I think it was her, her partner Tory Lane. Um, by Tory Lane. People were like victim blaming her. And the same yeah. thing with now, this is a little more dubious. Amber Heard yeah. probably was not the perpetrator of those things well at the yeah. very least there's clear evidence that johnny depp was in fact abusive and people are just ignoring that yeah yes thank you mostly because he's the pirates guy how could he be yeah. bad um and i think like challenging that in the scream movies and despite us having seen the so knowing that the audience has seen the the actual events in the last movie and playing on that i think was a really great move that made it feel very very relevant to our modern day which doesn't always necessarily happen actually no the the scream franchise has always been pretty good at being accurate 
Um, I saw on Twitter someone was mentioning that Scream 4, I think, the kids are like, there's there's one line where the kids say, who cares about friends? I need fans. And it's like, man, if you could jump ahead 10 years later, like Wes, you would be shocked. Um, anyways, did you guys have any thoughts about that? The- yeah, I no, I, I think that the movie did a really good job of just like some of the things of some of the ideas of like internet culture in general. One of the things that was mentioned that I really liked was they talk about true crime, which I think for for Scream 7 going down that kind of rabbit hole a little bit like if there's a stab mini series like docu-series coming out or something like i think that would be great yeah like that like that seems like such a great thing but like yeah this like kind of like like morbid it, it is a bit of like morbid curiosity with what's happening but like this this tendency to like treat like real horrible situations like these these are characters in a movie and i think that it is very interesting to do that in such a way that um like you're doing it with actual characters in a movie i think that that's actually a really good way of talking about it um yeah no and i thought it was integrated really well into the movie as well it yeah yeah um no i think i think the true crime thing is really interesting that's a good idea for where they could go i know peter also wanted to talk about how this movie mentions letterboxd yeah i thought it was really funny pretty accurate for a time no it's just like um like letterbox to me is like such an indie film platform just seeing it getting the popularity it's getting now it's just you know it was, it was good it's it was not good that indie that. anymore yeah it, it was good indie like be... five years ago but like now it's like it's like borderline mainstream it was good to be a letterbox member you know it's like sometimes it's popular does, now sure. yeah. uh somehow we never got around to this but we kind of alluded to how much we love this ensemble cast. Yeah. Um, the Scream franchise, I think, is one that relies on having a good cast. And a lot of them have been, from in this movie, have been taken from previous movies, probably more so than any other Scream before. We have the core four. We have uh, Courtney Gale. Cox and Gale, Kirby. And Kirby. Kirby. Maybe Vanessa Kirby, if you're me and you keep messing with <laughs> name. Um but uh, some like I'm shocked that these are the same characters from the last movie because they're so vibrant. I mean, Mindy, Mindy is very clearly the same as she was yeah. in five. But I think I think Chad has a lot of a lot more to do. Yeah. Um. I also like how well, the Ara Tara for sure like is like borderline not really a character in the fifth one. She, uh, yeah, she's just like I'm um, injured. <laughs> I'm, Ortega, I'm in the wheelchair. Yeah. And she's just yeah. like, ah, <laughs> kind of for the whole of the fifth one. I think part of that is the Jenna Ortega blow up. Like you can't, yeah. once you, once you realize you have gold, like you're sitting on yeah, gold, then you're like, her oh, board, I'm but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What, you, what you're alluding to is uh, her face on the poster is like twice as big as it was in the first movie. <laughs> um, Peter? Yeah, I, and I just love the way they explored um, Sam's character as well because I feel like Sam's character in the first one feels so flat. It's just like actually, yeah. Uh, yeah okay, yeah. I have this past family trauma. I'm actually a daughter of a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. I might be bloodthirsty too. Okay, and then this one is like actively dealing with the event of the previous film. It's like, what should the relationship between the sibling be? Should is she being overprotective? Um, 
is she actually like like with the people accusing her of being the perpetrator of the previous movie's events is she sort of leaning towards more of her dark side and i really loved at the very end she kept uh billy loomis's mask but then like decided to drop it and let 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 uh, went went with the uh, uh tara into the into the ambulance it's like that's these are like really powerful like micro like re- they're really small moments but they show a lot about the character and i really yeah. love the number of times the movie did that and like really seeing how the core four bonding is also a great moment as well like seeing like these little dynamics going on within the group no i think i think you're absolutely right that the movie does a really good job of just small moments where it's just like just little things that the characters do that are like oh the other other characters wouldn't do this and you kind of like call attention to like they did this because of this like this it's this kind of character um i like i really like that even like from the beginning like how they're kind of all acting in the party like the frat party at the very beginning like yeah. i even think i even think that is like really good stuff um yeah and i i really really like the moment with sam towards the end when she's like no i shouldn't i shouldn't kill him but then it's like fuck you i forget what she says but then she like stabs him oh, in yeah. the head it was like yeah like, like that's Dude, that was badass by the way where she like went like that reversal yeah was yeah so cool. that's awesome yeah. yeah when she put on the ghost face thing yeah no i think, I, I... I think centering the the sister dynamic was a yeah. really strong choice um and i think it is what kind of like elevates this movie centering not only that but also what sam is dealing with with the backlash and i think maybe that's part of why this movie stands out to me is that the the central character has so much personal growth to do yeah and is like dealing with a lot of different factors as well as killers on the loose dealing with a lot of different things that all relate to the same internal struggle though which is something that like because there's like a weird thing that can happen where if you give a character too many internal struggles it actually it starts to feel unrealistic even though people in real life do it's just like it feels unfocused but there's like it does a really good job of like different things are happening to her that make her reflect on her internal struggle in different ways. And I think that's, that's a really clever part of this script. And I think that shot that Peter brought up, which is the one that I, I thought was so good is kind of like, it's a, it's a shot that encapsulates the theme, which is again, not something I would think of when I think of scream a movie, like doing that um, where like, she's like, ta- she's, how do I say this? She's tackling this idea like that she's the daughter of Billy Loomis and that legacy of being the daughter of a serial killer. And she's like choosing to leave that behind. Yeah. And hanging out with her hanging out with her sister. She's like <laughs> leaving she's leaving yeah. the to go yeah. for her sister. Um and defining herself by a different relationship instead of daughter of exactly. instead of daughter of serial killer i'm sister of this person i care about and want to protect and stuff i was gonna say sister of sam because like <laughs> was it son of sam, son of sam yeah, yeah. but like nah. that'll be the next screen yeah. franchise yeah when they start calling your sister. <laughs> they could... no that'll be that'll be funny if they started calling uh, like tara sister of sam or whatever like they think no 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 just 10 years from now yeah. give um the give the carpenters they'll they'll do the same this will be a never-ending cycle dude uh, i just anyways. love how like the mom just never shows up it's like last movie's like oh mom's in london this movie's movie. like mom's Third cut movie. off 
Actually, honestly, like I do think that's a that's a third movie type thing where yeah. like yeah, like they'll say like you have to bring up the thing that was kind of like teased in the first one. The mom reveal. Like in the third one, they <laughs> the mentioned that. <laughs> in the in in Scream Three, they mentioned that in the third movie, you always have to tie it back to the first and reveal yeah. something so that is like what you thought you knew from the first movie isn't all isn't fully true there's something missing mm-hmm. so they could they could do that on two levels with mom mom reveal from this <laughs> franchise but also tie back to scream 1 yeah. we'll get into that while we're here why don't we talk about sam's journey uh with billy loomis and and the ending and all that with silly loomis yeah Silly Lewis? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I think I've said everything I want to say on that. But... Yeah, I've, I've said what I want to do, too. I, I think it... To... I... Sorry. I like how you both think you've said your piece, and then you start talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've said my piece, but I'll say it again, actually. Um, I mean, I think the visions are pretty cool. Yeah. She's, yeah. I like how they film them, too. No, yeah, for sure, and I, I like that. Um, I, I, yeah, I love her putting on the, putting on the, 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 the. the it's so the good. That's an, that's an awesome thing. I love how, yeah. like, like why would she like fuck with him? Like, why would she like scare him? But I love that she does. You know what I mean? It's so much better yeah. that she like, like acts like Ghostface. Like once she has the, once she has the costume on. Um, yeah. My question is, where do they go from that? Because like that's, I think. I That's think it's good deep. that they did that in this movie, but now it's leaving me like, how do you one up that? Because right. clearly yeah, she's... that was really that was a peak. Honestly. It was a peak so moment because like the first one, she only leans into it at the end. Again, right. I think a, a good moment where she lets loose on uh, Richie. Yeah. Don Jack Quaid. She lets loose on Jack Quaid, the actor, <laughs> when when he reveals himself as not actually Richie, as Jack Quaid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was good. And then they kind of, I think they kind of downplay that, like for most of this movie, like the she doesn't really have that struggle until she gets. Really, it's only the scenes that are in the the cinema, in the the movie theater. Oh, that's true. There's the stuff with the therapist. Like right near the beginning. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's it's it's confined to like one scene. Um, but I I I wonder where they go from there. And I guess we kind of keep talking. We might as well talk what we think they're going That's to do for the next one. While well, we're 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 kind of already here. Yeah. I does she become Ghostface? There should be that would be so do cool. Stay in, do they stay in New York? Like, I don't think they should. No, yeah. I don't think they're saying it feels like yeah, it feels like something they shouldn't do. Yeah. It's it's it feels like a like that's a one off. Like you did it and it was really fun, but I think maybe you go back you can't really keep going back to like yeah. the OG. I don't think they should go yeah. back. Cause you have um which uh, they're just always in Woodsboro, but I feel Dude. like they're gonna have to go back there. You know what they should do? Dream seven, they go to the Canadian prairies. <laughs> if they're following the pattern of paying homage to the previous ones they'll go to la again because yeah. they did because this one was very similar to two so they could try and like make three good again like try to like retroactively make three a good movie despite it being the worst mm-hmm. which is 
movies have done what what movie did that what if i'm thinking of what if someone is trying to what if sam is like for whatever reason accepted like someone making a true crime docuseries about her and that's like and like that's like kind of the thing or something because like scream that could be good because scream 3 is a lot about like the production of one of the stab movies right Mm-hmm. oh i see and play off it in in that way yeah like if you did okay. want to kind of pay homage to scream 3 in that way oh god there's gonna be podcasters yeah. <laughs> and i can't <laughs> wait for the scream franchise to kill a podcaster yeah. <laughs> that's coming from a podcaster um but like man the true crime po- podcasters especially need to get killed in one of these movies not like some not in real life I think some, just some to be clear like normal but like yeah yeah exactly yeah. um I was thinking the this is something that I I did hear on Twitter and I I I'm so I'm repeating an opinion but I think I think it it's the right time for Stu Mocker to come back. So this is Peter you haven't seen this movie. This is from the first one. The character, you know Matthew Lillard, Peter? Shaggy. I actually I actually know what happened the first one. That, okay. Cuz we, we did have know a callback like? in the in, no I'm not sure. Uh, but we okay. did have a callback in this one as well, right? Where uh, the yeah. TV got smashed into the girl's yeah. face. Yeah. So have you seen have, Scooby have you, Doo? Have you seen Scooby Doo? Oh, no, the guys. Or no, have you I'm seen not. Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed? I actually have not. Oh, okay. Good movies yeah. written by James Gunn. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, anyway, so the guy who played those and that, Matthew Lillard, was Stu Mocker in the first movie. He was Billy Loomis's accomplice, mm-hmm. and he was killed. Was the the TV, TV did him in? at the end like that was the yeah. last thing they killed him i yeah. guess it sounds like yeah. um but people have always been dubious like if he actually died same with kirby actually and i think i i actually i really do think that he's coming back for this they actually one. dropped his name here right twice it because of the sense. tv thing and the theory that he was still alive they mention it it's yeah. too much that's, of a coincidence that's also a way you can play on the sam conflict because he's exactly. like i'm your uncle like <laughs> like yeah, yeah, he yeah. probably will say that. Uncle too. <laughs> he'll be like, <laughs> yeah. he'll be like, I was your dad's accomplice. You're yeah. just like us, or something. And I yeah. think, I think that's how you play into that. Like, like I keep thinking of Empire Strikes Back. I don't know why, but like, like being tempted by that dark side. I think that's how you get. Because the thing is, like, Sam can't like Sam can't kill anyone. Because then we'll be like, <laughs> oh, she is bad, yeah. right? She can only kill the bad guys. But I think she does need to like put on the mask or like something because like you need to escalate that conflict of am i my father's daughter you know anyways (laughs) (laughs) really we have nothing to say after that that's all Um, but if you guys yes you not you peter and you aiden (gasps) you mean the listener oh if you have an idea of what should happen in scream seven probably titled Scree-V-E, or how are they going to do that? Is there a... Is there a... Dude, it's going to be... The M is going to be split into V and the two I on the side, and then the two I's... And then the eyes will shift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll look like... Just like Scree... It'll, it'll be Scree-V-E. Anyways, if you guys have an idea of what should be a Scree-V, why don't you leave a comment on Spotify? Because they do comments now. I think Apple also did comments forever and YouTube or leave us a comment on Twitter or Instagram. Tell us and we will read it out just like I did for one lucky sunny law. Yeah. Um, lucky. Anyways, guy. Do that. Uh, but we have other things to talk about this movie. And we'll Actually, try to be brief. 
Yes. Yeah, we're not wrapping up on Scream just yet, right? No. Okay. Good. I was going to say, why don't we talk about the homage to the sequel, a movie neither of you have seen? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll keep it brief because I'm no one to bounce off for this. Basically, Scream 2 is also set on a university campus. So yeah. I thought it was really clever to be like, yeah, let's let's play off the sequel again. Um, what else did I have? Oh, oh, um, I need to find where I wrote it down. But I know that the sequel also features a, spoiler alert, pew, pew, a parent of one of the previous killers. Yeah, I know. So they, yeah. so they did that for, and but she's, it was funny watching Scream 2 because I was like, isn't that Sheldon's mom? Like, like it's, Wait, what? It's, it's the actor from Big Bang Theory. It's Sheldon's mom <laughs> so is playing funny. a mom in that movie. Um, and actually, they directly mention that too in this movie. Um, the Big Bang Someone gets killed. Thing? No, not Big Bang <laughs> someone, gets, someone gets killed in a van. They're like, in... that, the killer from like, uh, like, the killer from way back when like looks so much like Sheldon's mom. Sheldon's mom. <laughs> yeah, they're just in the museum in the, the, the movie theater shrine. Yeah, there's no. a picture of Sheldon's mom in her. Sheldon's mom. Her and they're like they're like like yarn connecting them like Big Bang Theory screams so trying to figure it out. Um no, they say they're they're hiding out in a in the police van and they're like Oh, we're safe in the van, and one of the movie kids is like, "Our uncle died in a van that yeah. was from two. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Oh, there's a theater space. So like, like the movie theater is kind of an homage to the sequel because a lot of it takes place in a not a movie theater, but like a, a theater theater. Yeah. And like, like for a stage play, that's where the final act of of the sequel happens, and lo and behold, that's where this happened. Uh, so that was really cool for me and me alone, I guess. <laughs> um, why don't we talk about The Shrine? So this movie is um, heavily, instead of, every every Scream movie kind of like tackles like a form of the movie. This makes no sense. So Scream is like the slasher. It's making fun of the slasher. Scream 2 makes fun of sequels, slasher yeah. sequels. 3 is making fun of trilogies. 4 is making fun of reboots. Five kind of does the same thing, like but the like requel, is, requel mixture legacy, and yeah, yeah. They say it's different, but four and five serve basically the same yeah. function, just trying it again. And then now you're at six, which is like a weird kind of spot to be in. Um, and so instead of being like, oh, it's the sixth one we're making fun of, they go wider and they go franchise and they mm -hmm. start talking about Marvel and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I think it was fun to be like poking fun at um like easter eggs yeah like the whole final act is in a is in an easter egg palace of of like like a shrine for the franchise yeah i thought that was a really neat thing they did and the the masks thing that was pretty cool what did you guys think i, I think also within that um within that uh blah, 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 the idea of like oh we're a franchise now like i liked the during mindy's little like monologue um i, I really liked the like allusion to ip is more more important than acting yeah. now like that like that's a like that was a fun little line to add in there um but yeah no yeah I, I, the theater is a really nice um location i just thought it's so cool um in uh i think it's into the spider-verse and also in batman where there's like scenes where it's just like different suits lined up in the back of like the the villain or the hero's headquarters 
And that's exactly mirroring that. But with Ghostface, I just thought that's such a neat idea. I will say that has like a limited cool factor because they dress identical. (laughs) So there's no variation between the suits. And you're like, yeah, cool. I bet those are from different people. (laughs) Couldn't tell you whose is whose. Um, But one thing that Mindy does say is that in a franchise, legacy characters are on the hook and anybody can die and then the movie doesn't kill anybody yeah. <laughs> let's talk about that yeah so there are several characters who get stabbed but who end up living they include gail chad mindy maybe another person oh um kirby, kirby. almost dies kirby got shot though kirby gets yeah. shot yeah there is also but, i mean there's also the fake out death with the killer if you want to if you want to go there that. i guess she winds up dying anyway but yeah I'll, let's just talk about the good guys because yeah. most i don't think of the good guys like the oh. girlfriend dies That's, not even yep. pug they don't Anika. even kill pug from she hulk yeah yeah no i like i actually kind of i really like the characters the core four and i actually kind mm-hmm. of like the idea that they survive and i'm very much willing to suspend my disbelief that they can like i re- like really like like especially like chad shouldn't have survived the last movie either like he gets like yeah. he gets massacred in the fifth one as well um yeah. but like no like i don't mind that i think that my personal opinion is that gail should have died like if for I no other reason then like that moment is i don't remember what it's called because i haven't i haven't read that book but that's like the darkest moment that's like the whatever the fuck dark night of the soul sure they call it. yeah uh, so it's like that's supposed to be like this big mo like big moment where like they experience a huge loss that propels them to take like the biggest action and it's like not only it's is the she mentor not- character too yeah it's, not it's not the mentor only who dies yeah know. and not only is she not dead they also make it clear she's going to live in that scene because they're like the paramedic comes in and is like we have a pulse and it's like we you wouldn't do that if she's dead do you there. think that was could that have been in reshoots or ADR? Because I was actually wondering, like, what if there was like a more downer ending where Gail died and they like chose not to go that route? Yeah, maybe. And like, maybe? I don't I'm know. conflicted because I re- like Gail's a great character. I just think mm-hmm. like the way the story is set up, I just think she probably should die. If you're gonna kill anyone, I think that's the person to kill. Um, and yeah. then maybe the boyfriend too, if you want to kill someone else. But I don't know. Just want to talk about how Chad. A stab probably ten times in like an execution manner between two ghost faces, and was like, yeah, actually, you know, he's fine. Actually, uh, Tara is just gonna casually rip away her oxygen, his oxygen mask, so they can talk. It's like, oh, <laughs> like that didn't make any sense to me. I thought Chad's dead, dead. Uh, oh, yeah. That that was like a death that should have happened, in my opinion, and then. Um, for Gale, Gale got stabbed pretty bad. Like, I think Gale was trying to go for the killing blow. She, she was trying to grab the knife, and then yeah. the ghost always duped her because he had a second knife, right? Yeah. Um, no, he like, grabbed the glass. Stabbed her with oh, he grabbed the glass? Okay. Um, yeah, like, I mean, she survived worse, sort of. I don't know, like, how, uh, what happened to her in, uh, in the, in the previous screen movies, but, uh, like, that 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 was fine for me. The Gale surviving was okay. I'm less concerned but... about the actual like injury and just like like the oh the character. Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. 
But I thought just like Chad, I thought Chad's goner for sure. I, I will say that I think I think what Aiden was saying, like the core force of fighting, that kind of is like a staple of the franchise where yeah. you up until five, like Dewey, Dewey, uh, Sydney, and Gale, they're never going to die. Like those yeah. are your main characters. And I think they're taking on kind of like a Star Wars thing where in their own franchise, your main characters cannot and will not die. When they become secondary characters for a new core four, mm-hmm. that's when they're susceptible. So I think leave Chad, leave Mindy, leave Tara. Those are your supporting characters that we have to see through to the end. But like, what are we doing with Gail? Why are we stringing her along? Yeah, Do a Star Wars, kill her off in this one. Bring back Sydney for the last one. Kill Sydney there. Because you can't just keep hanging on to those core yeah. characters. You killed Dewey in the last one, which is a really bold thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that I found like really interesting. And it was it was sad that they didn't do that in this one. Because I think it was kind of like it was a good send-off. And they if they had maybe like one more scene with Gale to really drive home the impact like a scene between where gail and um sam are like getting along because they, they're bickering most of the time yeah so if you have like one scene to like make them friends before she dies i think that would have been a really nice they have that a thing. little bit with the well, thing thought... where when gail's like um when tara's like sorry i punched you and then gail's like you're not actually sorry and then she's like yeah i'm not it's like they do have a little bit of a moment but, but i yeah. thought like gail's storyline this one is actually so interesting though because like she was all like i'm not gonna write about what happened in Screen 5. I'm going to write about Dewey. But then she ended up writing about Screen 5. And then Sam sort of had a comment when she was really pissed. Like, yeah, you're just trying... Like, you you know, without the whole Ghostface situation, you just fade away. Like, I feel like that's just such a smart commentary on, like, Gail's position as a journalist trying to stay relevant, but, like, also holding on to that one niche that got you popular in the first place it's, and sort yeah. of squeezing that. Hmm. I, I, like... I thought, like, that, from that sense, like, I can see why her dying makes sense. It's sort of like, you know, you sort of capitalize off the thing that eventually killed you, and so, like, that will be, like, a nice full circle moment, but, you know. Yeah, if so. if they did that, I think I think there could have been an interesting thing, thing there. Um, I will say that for someone who's seen the entire franchise, when you've seen that character arc for Gale five yeah. times, it <laughs> loses its luster because yeah. like literally since Scream 2, people have been mad at Gale for writing about the previous movie's events because that's she does this every single time and people are surprised that she does it. Um, there's with like slight variations, but I do think that if they had actually like decided to kill her, I do think that would have been yeah, they could have had some variation. But, but I thought, like, it makes sense character. for her to come back, though. It's like, like I'm very happy Sydney is not in this movie because there's no, like, there's no reason she should be there. Uh, like, she's yeah. like, I'm away, I'm with yeah. my family, I want to keep them safe, all good. Um, and then this one, Gail showed up only because they were in New York, where she works from, you know? Yeah. She's literally working in New York, so it makes sense for her to appear there. So, like, if they go to Sydney's, city for the next one then it makes sense for sydney Mm. to appear but then i hope they don't because i feel like you know like we don't really need these veterans anymore because our new characters are becoming veterans themselves you know to deal with the ghost situation 
Yeah, I would even say like in five, Sydney is not doing a lot. Like it was more that was more Dewey's movie and Dewey and um, fucking Gale. Like yeah. it was more about them. And I, from what I recall, like Sydney was just kind of like, oh no, it's happening again. But like it's not happening to her. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, honestly what would have been cool is if they had kind of done a Star Wars and left her out of five and six and bring her back for seven. That would have been a really cool thing to like, be like, oh, we're going to go see the OG. She's been in hiding for like 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, and then they do yeah. like the Laurie Strode thing with her where she's like, she's the new, you know what I mean? Like how in the new Halloween movie is Laurie. It is Halloween. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I had to remember what her name is, but yeah, um, I'm not as well versed in that franchise. Anyways, speaking of franchises, Scream Ranking for those who have seen all the movies. <laughs> Just me. Just you. You guys can give your opinion. I can, but I like, can rank the three that I've seen. The three that you've seen or the two that you've seen, depending um, on who you are. Scream I, 1. Scream 1's the best one. Yeah. I, I guess it's Pretty not that hard. Yeah, Scream, Scream 1, 6, 5. Yeah. Yeah. But I really um, like 5. Peter, do you agree with 6, 5? <laughs> Yeah. Six before five. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Uh, so I, I have Scream One. I do think Scream Six is the best. Um, after that, I I feel like maybe I should give Two a second chance because I think I think there's something about uh, Wes Craven's direction that's really quite strong. Yeah. And the writing of the original, the the guy who wrote the original Scream franchise is also very good at his job. So um, I do think Two is pretty good. So I have one, six, two. Then I put five because I think five was a fun reinvention. Uh, and then I have four and then three. I think three is pretty bad. Um, anyways, Aiden, we have a segment. Sure do. So podcast called Predator versus Movies. We've done the movie part. It is. Like, let's not beat around the bush. Let's get into the Predator. Okay, so we asked the question, would the Predator from the movie Predator improve this movie if he were in it? No. No. <laughs> Although it could be Good like Halloween is. costume. Oh, he's back again with the correct points. That's it. Yep. I don't think I don't think there's a more correct answer than that. Yeah. Moving on, Peter, what <laughs> is our next segment? Uh it's called Predator's Picks. Like, Why do you say it like you're confused every single time? You're like as if you're reading it off and you're like, I don't know what this is. But I'll sure I'll read it. Yeah, I'm trying to put put, 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 put a new flavor into it, you know? Inject some flavor. personality. Okay. Uh, it's probably just picks. What have you guys seen this week? What do you guys uh do you guys recommend them or do you guys anti rec them? Yeah. Anti rec like okay. anti man, ant man, nice quantum mania, yeah. Um, Aiden is typing in the chat. Oh, Aiden is in heaven. Aiden, Aiden. Oh no, Aiden! There's ghost face behind you. Oh no! Oh no! Aiden's dead and he's entering heaven. That's where Scream Seven takes place. The heaven. kingdom of heaven. It's the seventh seal. The seventh seal. The seventh Scream movie. They bring back Max von Sydow from um, the seventh seal movie. They resurrect Igmar Berman. Igmar Bergman directing. He yeah. returns from the grave. To... Yeah. Oh God. Um, Peter, what have you seen? I've that was a really seen... weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've Peter. only seen one movie. It's Scream Five. 
And what do you think? It you just kind of... dwarves in the face of six. Uh, sure. And, but okay, I will. I have a fun anecdote about it though. Um, so in both five and six, I'm not sure about the previous ones. They use this song that is happens to be the intro song for a show called Peaky Blinders. And I just like crack up every time I hear that song because it reminds me of Peaky Blinders. It's like uh it's like dun 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 It's like uh um in in five it was the Three one more. where where the, the guy was pissing outside the bar and he got killed. That's when that song played. And then in six is where in the college scene and then at the very end, when uh, they're walking away, that song plays. Can you sing some more? Maybe I'll recognize it. It's. Sing it. You have to sing it. You can't play it. You have to sing it. Let me let me find it first. Let me find the lyrics. Peaky okay. Blinders theme. Okay, while you're doing that, Aiden, but, why don't you tell us what you've seen? Yeah, I haven't really seen that much. Uh, I think I've literally seen All Quiet on the Western Front. I think that's the only thing I've seen over the past week. Uh, I talked about it a little bit. Not a huge fan of it. It was okay. Very standard war movie. Uh, I like the 1931 a lot more. I think it's pretty crazy to wait to remake something that's like over a, almost 100 years old and not do it as well. Um, so, yeah. That's facts. Okay, I, I, I found the song. So, it's okay. called uh, Red Right Hand. Uh, so, basically, like um, in Peaky Blinders, it's describing it. Thomas Shelby. In this one, I guess it's describing Ghostface. But it's like it's like it has this very uh very iconic uh bit instrumental bit. It's like dun 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 and then and it like this this really um really rough coarse voice just like on a gathering storm comes a tall handsome man in the dusty black coat with a red right hand. Oh my god. I I think this song's great, but it's like but it's like it's unexpected in a screen movie because I I have I'm like my brain just permanently associated that song with Peaky Blinders. It's like, yo, are we about to see some gangster shit <laughs> happening? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you're talking about at all. Like from either movie, no. I, I literally. Have you seen Peaky Blinders? No, no. Okay, it's That's a British why. show, so it's up Peter's alley. Which did you know? There's no alleys in New York except yeah. three. Wow. Wow. Tying hey, it all hey, together, folks. Well, it's a actually, actually, Alex, I have a, tr- I have a trivia question for you. How do you pronounce the actor that played Thomas Shelby? His name. Who's Thomas Shelby? Um, it's the guy Scarecrow in in Dark. Yeah. Killian Murphy. Let's go. He got it right. Because I remembered. Not. Uh, I remember not his... the time when you were seeing Cillian, and you know. Yeah, because I was a Cillian boy. Cillian Murphy. He's from. I was a Cillian goose. I was a Cillian goose. Anyway, we're just firing off. We're just um, this point. Today's a good day. I'm feeling great, but I think the podcast is suffering. <laughs> um, I've seen some things. I watched uh, The Last of Us. I've been wa- I've been catching up a bit, so I watched two or three episodes. I don't remember. Yep. Um, it's, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! Wait, um, I totally forgot. <laughs> Last of Us happened. I'm not good. Because it's it's been a while. Um, okay. Um, have you guys all seen the finale? No. no. Oh, okay, no. never mind. Never mind. Okay. But did you like it? The finale. Was it everything you wished it to be. Um, like I thought it really fits the character. Um, like yeah. it, I, like uh, well, Aiden, you played the game. You know what? I know what happened. Um, you watched yeah. the game. I did um, watch the game. I did not play it. Yeah. Okay. 
Just like I think watching it again. I think like obviously like you should to, play the TV series. <laughs> <laughs> um, like to us as an audience, <laughs> like obviously we want the outcome to be different. But then like to Joel as a character, I think it makes sense for him to make that choice. Don't spoil it. Yeah. Okay. Um. I yeah. I, I'm. I got to the point where they go to the labs. Um, oh yeah. Like monkeys or something. Monkey. Um, and they're gonna do the the episode that is apparently based on a DLC. I just read like oh, a, yeah, an opinion yeah, yeah. article. Oh someone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like why the show suffers a bit, and I do agree that it does feel a little bit like a cutscene montage, where like I'm not seeing a lot of zombies or like I don't know. I know that like not it's a zombie show, but it doesn't need to have a whole lot of zombies. But Alex, I, I, I feel like something is missing. All I'm gonna say is just wait for the penultimate. Just wait. There's gonna be plenty of zombies. Yeah, Dude, no, just I bet wait for are. the penultimate episode. That bet, episode was so okay. fucking good. Like, oh my okay. god. I'm just saying that like it's, structurally, I feel like I'm missing something. Anyways, sure. Um, yeah. I did think when they were in Kansas City and like the ground opens up and like mm. a huge swarm like that was pretty cool that was a pretty cool That's sick, yeah. and there was that feral child love feral children yeah um I watched this documentary uh against my will called end zone and I just want to talk I, about it a bit. I guess I did too because I was in the same yeah. class that we watched this in we were sitting I, next to each other I was literally yeah. zoned out the entire time so I, <laughs> I even, like I don't even know which of the documentaries we watched is that one <laughs> He was end zoned out. Yeah. He also missed the beginning. Oh, so yeah. end zone was like a documentary from 1970, I think. I think it's Canadian as well. I don't know if it's from our city, but um, it's clearly a movie you're supposed to watch while stoned out of your fucking mind. Because for yeah, Peter, because he found it on Letterboxd. You're a genius. Wow. I also reviewed it, so you could do it that way. Um, but like. To, I, on your I review, it said probably it. a lot of fun if you are high as fuck and you gave it That's two and a half stars. It's also what I said like two seconds ago. <laughs> but anyways, it's really fucking weird. It's experimental and using found footage. And I was just like, this is really weird. So go watch Endzone if you want to get high and watch something. Uh, and then I watched uh, yesterday, I watched Women Talking just to see if I had any Oscar thoughts on it. I don't really have Oscar thoughts. I think like adapted screenplay play adapted screenplay sure why not um i do i do think that the trailers do a poor job of marketing this movie because it makes you like it made me actively not want to watch it and i was kind of dreading watching women talking but when i was watching it i was actually like this isn't that bad and i could feel like like hesitance watching it at the beginning being like i don't want to watch this and then being worn down over time being like oh i actually do kind of like care about these characters um i didn't have that reaction to the trailer i was like i thought i thought the trailer was like yeah sure like like it wasn't enticing and i mean part of it is it's it's like a a drama and i think a lot of it has to do with the color palette which is something i was complaining about like it looks Mm -hmm. super desaturated when you're watching it you don't really feel that Mm. it feels more like normal um but yeah i think it was like pretty good um i think it tackles some like important themes and stuff and apparently it was written by someone who's from manitoba so that was yep 
interesting to learn, I guess. The book is. I don't know. It's like it was like a pretty good movie, and like the acting is pretty great. It's like an ensemble with a lot of great actors. So, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, but that's it for me, I think. So next week we're probably gonna watch John Wick Four. Oh yeah, uh, and that'll be our movie. Uh, so check us out on at God. This is, I'm so bad at this. Check us out at Predator V Movies on Twitter or Instagram, and remember to tell us what you think Scream Seven should do or should have. Um, and if you like my thoughts on movies, check me out on at underscore Alex Gordon underscore on Letterboxd. Uh, and if you also like my thoughts on movies, you can check me out on Letterboxd. I'm 810Sunny. That's 810-S-O-N-N-Y. My name is Wombo. It's Wombo. Uh, and yeah, you can also, on those places, not the Letterboxd, you can leave a review. Leave a review. Give, give us five stars. Give us five stars. Peter didn't plug anything, which means you have to give five stars. Going on from the, that was the joke. I forgot about, about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to write that deal. down. So That's the deal. Out. Peter didn't plug anything, which means you guys listening right now have to give five stars. That's absolutely true. Thank you, Aiden. Until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this was Predator vs. Movies. Woo!